Hey, welcome to episode six of the Draft Champions Podcast. I'm Zach. I'm here with my co-host, Mike. You can find us on Twitter, at Zach Roto and at Mike underscore Curland. Uh, today, we're here with uh, Drew Morris of Common Sense Fantasy Baseball, which is Common Sense FBB on Twitter. Drew is a frequent high-stakes player, um, and in fact, I think we've been in two NFBC drafts, draft and holds already this year, and it's only mid-January. Um, today, we're going to be uh, talking about a recent mock draft we did uh, for NFBC, but this mock was prospects only. We're just going to go over Drew's picks because we did it with um, 10 other people. Um, and we're going to be talking about that on a later podcast. And then we're going to look at ADP risers. Um, first of all, I want to, I want to just recognize Mike Curland over here for being nominated for a fantasy writer, uh, fantasy sports writer association award for best series. So, um, that's, that's awesome for him. I just want to recognize him. And again, you can follow him and, um, even more reason to follow him. And, um, it, I'm proud of, I'm proud because I, beat a fantasy sports writer of the year nominated person in fantasy baseball last year <laughs> well you also lost to me on the final day of a league last year too so yeah that was one league that's that's all that's, <laughs> hey it's still a league but thank you hey seriously zach appreciate it man honestly it's i'm still in shock i talked about it a little bit off the air i am in stone beyond shock and all that i was even nominated to, i mean and made the I, that was even a finalist so it's really um, humbling, and it, it's, it reminds me that the hard work is – like all these hours I put into it behind the scenes, it's somewhat wor- – I mean, not somewhat, it is worth it because I'm obviously being recognized by my peers, which means – I mean, being a finalist is almost as good. I mean, obviously nothing's as good as winning. So to say it's almost – say it's as good as winning, it's, it's not, but it's damn close. And honestly, if I'm fortunate enough to win this whole thing, I, I would I, – I don't know. I might, I might go streaking. I haven't decided yet. Nice. You can, we can go streaking on the podcast. At least we won't have to see it. No, 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 no. no. It's going to be live streamed. Oh, full, okay. Full on. Like, full on. I'm going streaking. Frank the Tank on him, man. Doing Mike it. the Tank? Mike the Tank. Let's go. All right, let's go. So, um, <laughs> it's ironic that, um, Drew, you label it common sense fantasy baseball because, uh, in my mind, fantasy baseball is anything but common sense. There's really no right way to do it. So, um, without further ado, Drew, tell me, first, how many drafts have you done so far this year? And what, uh, what Common Sense Fantasy Baseball is all about and sort of how you got started. Well, first of all, thanks for having me, guys. Um, and I also want to congratulate Mike on his nomination. That's really cool. And, and like you said, it's just it's fun to, to get into this community and to, to share all of our thoughts. And it's cool when somebody, you know, out there is listening. So, so I like that. Um, yeah, Zach. So I have have done, uh, I believe it's six or seven leagues already. Um, I think it's, I think it's seven, which is, it, it is a little obscene, but uh, never, uh, never enough, man. You know, with the draft champions, it's great because there's no way I could do as much, as many drafts and as many leagues as I, I do if I actually had to, you know, make pickups and trades and all kinds of things. So the, the NFBC cuts a lot of that out. And so there's no, there's no trading in the NFC because nobody wants to put 150 bucks or, you know, for the main event, 1700 bucks up. And then, you know, some, some jerk trades, you know, Garrett Cole for Aaron. Nola. Yeah. That's not even a good example, you know, like some, something worse than that. And then you're like, this guy uh, is going to win the league now because, you know, he got an unfair trade. Uh, so, so they cut that part out. And then the draft champions, uh, I love, and I love that you guys started a podcast about it, by the way. 
But I love the draft champions because you don't have to worry about pickups during the year. You just draft your team and all you got to do is set your lineup. So I can do a lot more of that. Um, than- yeah, we were talking about that before we started recording because I'm in 30, I was in 30 daily transaction leagues last year. And Which blows tough. my mind. I mean, it's <laughs> tough. I'm so not sure like, I could do 30 draft champions, but you know, I, I did eight last year and had pretty good results. So. And you're already at, you're already at eight this year. I'm already at I've, I've got seven oh. plus a, a sort of a non uh, monetary one that we did at the Arizona Fall League, kind of for fun and, and competition. And yeah, like, I'm, a, I'm about or, I'm about at that stage too. I'm, I think I'm around eight right now total. That one's just cool because like Spore is in it, Batflip Crazy Toby is in it, uh, Clay Link is in it. So Matt Matt Modica, a lot of a lot of the guys that you see, uh, you know, in in the industry talking baseball. So yeah, Matt's one of those guys we need to get on this podcast if he wants to. Like, um, that's yeah, if you want to talk to a high stakes player, I mean, we we talk about our hundred and fifty dollar leagues, but uh, you know, he's in like leagues where the buy-in is 2,500 or 5,000 or maybe even more. I don't know. Um, well, we were talking when Vlad came on. I don't know if it was actually part of the recording or before we recorded. He said uh, he mentioned to get Matt Modica on or, or ask him to be on, and we should. And um, that's something that we plan on doing. And, um, yeah. Yeah, he had a he had a great year last year as well. So Yeah, yeah I, I saw that. <laughs> I saw him kind of throw it in someone's face on Twitter yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Is that what we're talking about right now? Like he's like, yeah, I made 110 grand, and he, what he yeah, someone else, and like, geez, like so I guess somebody really got under his skin. I don't know. It was on Twitter. Though. You, have to, you have to have a little confidence for sure. I mean, he definitely threw that. I mean, when you throw that around, there's really it's like drop. That's like a mic drop type of deal, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's hard <laughs> to argue figures, with <laughs> six figures on fantasy sports. Yeah, I mean, you're probably smarter than the average guy. That shit's all taxed in the USA, right? <laughs> it's true. In, in Canada, in Canada, all that stuff's not taxed. It's not taxable. Like any gambling, like for example, poker, lottery, um, fantasy lottery. sports. Lottery, yeah, big one. Yeah, it's, oh. there's no tax on on lottery winnings in Canada. Making a mental note of that. And, <laughs> and that's I'm an accounting. So, <laughs> I, and I'm moving to Canada. Gotcha. I love it. So Mike is planning to win the lottery. <laughs> yeah, it's totally gonna happen. <laughs> Like All right, so let's let's take a look at first out. So let's just um, explain what we did uh, for this twelve team. We did we had twelve um, um, pretty pretty high pretty big names, like way bigger than like me, <laughs> um, in in this draft. Um, uh, one of the names is Ray Butler, who's coming on later this week to chat. Um, and then there was Drew, myself, and then me and me and Mike ended up sharing a team because we actually had more interest in this draft than we expected. Um, so what we did was we drafted only prospects, but the but the the catch here is Wander Franco wouldn't be the first overall pick because these were drafting prospects based on 2020 draft and hold value. So basically, you're going to be looking at volume and uh, proximity proximity to, proximity to the MLB for when you're going to draft these guys. So we're gonna we're gonna talk about this draft with we plan to talk about this draft with Ray, but I wanted to uh, Drew uh, had the fifth or sixth fifth overall pick here. And we wanted to look at, we wanted to talk about some of his picks. And then afterwards we looked at um, just prospect sleepers. So anything, anyone going after pick 700, um, essentially dart throws that are prospects. So Drew, um, I don't know if you have your, I have it up. I have it pulled up so I can help you if you need it, but you want to go through some of the, your, your picks. So you had the fifth overall pick and yeah. who did you take? Who, who did you take? 
Absolutely. Yeah. This was really cool because you had some some prospect uh, focused analysts in there. I noticed a few names that I know focus on prospects like Ralph Lipschitz and um, Shelley Verstraight, Chris Blessing. So that was it was cool to, to, to see how some of those people thought about it. But uh, for myself, I thought about it primarily from a draft champions perspective because, you know, that's your podcast, that's your brand, that's what you're going for and that's what you asked us to do. And so I really wanted someone who I, I prioritized playing time in 2020. So I, you know, uh, Wander Franco is probably the best prospect around, but I don't think I'm, I'm not sure if he's going to be up this year at all. And if he is, it's probably just going to be uh, for a, you know, a cup of coffee or something like that. Um, at least, you know, after the all-star break, I would imagine. So, um, so anyway, the first few picks, uh, I'm not going to go through all the picks or anything, but, but, you know, L Luis Robert was obviously off the board by pick five. And, um, <clears throat> so, and, and so was Joe Adele and Gavin Lux. And so uh, I'm, I'm probably going, going hitter. Uh, and unfortunately, like this was a spot where I didn't see anybody that was 100% sure to get playing time until, um, like Evan White. I knew he was, he might go before I had another pick, but I, uh, so I, I sort of had a decision there. I was thinking either I want Evan White because I think he's going to play every day or most every day. Um, or I want to go for the biggest upside I can go for. And so I took Dylan Carlson at, at fifth overall because I really have no idea what the Cardinals are going to do with him. I, I know a lot of people are projecting he's going to be up in May. Um, I'm really not sure, but if he, if, and when he does come up, he, he's one of those prospects that has risen to the level of, uh, he's, he's on most people's top 10 prospects. So, um, the, you know, for a draft champions league, for the, for the damage that you can do with sort of like power average and stolen bases, um, and, you know, sort of just an all around, uh, threat. I had to go with Dylan Carlson and I'll be honest, I was hoping that in some world, Evan White made it back to me in the second round, but obviously that did not happen because Shelly Verstraight. Well, it wasn't going to happen because if it happened, if he if he fell to twelve, I would have fought tooth and nail with Zach to let him be one of our picks. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I would I don't have, know uh, why I thought he was going to come back in the second round at pick twenty or whatever, you know. Um, but you know, it was worth a shot, and I, I'm not I'm not sad about Dylan Carlson. Oh, I love Carlson. I, I love Carlson. So I'm. Mike, 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 Mike's been all over Carlson, even in uh, our dynasty leagues. Um, well, I gave my my brief take. When when do you guys think he'll be up? Carlson, I'm. Yeah. St I think there's still just too much to be determined, man. Like right now, right now, as that roster stands, you can make an argument he might be the best outfielder that could be on that team come opening day. You know, absolutely. I mean? yeah. But if they make all these, if they make some trades or do something, like if they actually make some trades, there's talks of some of these outfield pieces actually moving as well, which would even up open up a bit a better chance. So well, I they think, traded to Rosarina, so yeah, so that's, that's one that's one thing. But, but if, uh, that, if that Arenado deal is actually like legitimate, like you're looking at names know. like you're looking at names like O'Neill being a part of it, Bader, like these are guys that I mean they already got rid of Jose Martinez, which was kind of a corner outfield guy or or you know sometimes you know first base as well. So yeah, just they're 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 taking away some of that crowded situation as is, and but on the on the flip side of that, if they if they bring Azuna back, which I you know that's I'm also sure, yeah, that's there. that's certainly up in the air. But if they do, you know, and and Tommy Edmond might be moved to the outfield if they get a third baseman and all this kind of stuff. So it's just it's very like and and you know he's 21 years old. The kid the kid turned 21 just a couple months ago. So the Cardinals, I don't know that they have a a great history of of 
you know, rushing their prospects through the se- the, the system. So, That's true. Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, it could happen. I, I don't think he has a whole lot left to prove, but he's very young. So they they also did they also did acquire Austin Dean, I think, yesterday. So I wanted to say for 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 context that he's going in like the 19th or 20th round in draft champions. So we're talking about pick 300. So very, very cheap if you want to speculate on him. And, and Evan White is going even after that. So I, I, I've been drafting a lot of those two guys, to be honest, because I had Carlson in my first draft as well for the same reason. And I think the last two, I wanted to hedge my bets and kind of let him go around that area. But I yeah, totally I have one share of him. I think I haven't been that big on him for the price, but well, here's, here's a little random strategy just to throw in real quick, and that is the outfield positions, you know, you have to have five outfielders, and a lot of times you'll want to play an outfielder at your utility spot. So, But, but the thing is, outfield is, is crazy deep, and there's a lot of high-end outfield sort of in the first five or even ten rounds, and then there's a lot of even playing field after that. There's a couple guys that I like to, to grab in there for, for certain things like Brian Reynolds for uh, a high batting average and, and, and some good counting stats. But um, you can, you can take probably after round 20, if say you take Carlson in round 20 and let's say he's only your fourth outfielder or, you know, fifth the most, you can take 10 more outfielders between round 20 and round 50 of these drafts if you want to and I mean I'm talking about getting people like Jake Cave in round 50 or you know around 45 uh, that you know maybe they don't have playing time or maybe their playing time is in question but they could be they could be 30 home run hitters if they got a full run full run at playing time so you just if you speculate on enough I think you're going to have somebody to put in that fifth outfielder slot even you know until uh, Dylan Carlson comes up or even if he doesn't come up you know, for most of the season. So, and you can also get Bader and O'Neill cheaper than Carlson. So you can almost Absolutely. handcuff, you can almost handcuff them. Yeah. Um, there are some situations where the handcuff is even cheaper. So I, I like that idea. Cool. Uh, who'd you take at the second round? All right. So it's coming back around to me. And of course, Evan White off the board. I, I, I wanted Nick Solak or Nico Horner, but they, they both went um, three and two picks before me. So the, the, Best guy I saw still on the board that definitely had playing time. Um, and again, I'm just going to go hitter here because um, as big as some of these pitchers who went after me could be, um, I just it's really hard to predict how a pitcher is going to make the transition to the to the major league. So I took Austin Hayes of the Orioles, and um, I really think Austin Hayes is going to be up all year. Um, he had a good little showing in September. I'm not making too much out of that because I think he hit did he hit 300 or, or right at there? And, and I just, he's not that he's not there yet. <laughs> he's going to have a step back, but if he gets everyday playing time and I think he's going to hit pretty high in the lineup or at least the middle of the lineup, roster resources had him anywhere between, you know, hitting second or hitting fifth somewhere in there. Um, he's going to get counting stats and he's got a little pop and a little speed. So I, I could see him being a, you know, 2020 threat or 2015 something like that so he uh, hit 309 over the 75 plate appearances and he yeah. paced and he paced for 32 home runs over 600, 600 and that's I, I think that's the only reason i haven't gotten more of austin hayes in, in my leagues so far is because people are taking him a little higher i've seen him go in the 
I think even maybe like 15, 16, right? 16th round. I think well, I have the ADP up right here. It's 260. It's actually 268. It's actually, I'm surprised. I've got none of him, obviously. I didn't realize how high he was going. He's one of those guys that are off the board before I start really thinking about yeah, him. Yeah, so maybe he's going in like 17 or 18. But but again, I'm just I'm taking other things there. And so by the time I come back around around 20 and take Dylan Carlson, Austin Hayes is usually gone. But, I, you know, then again, Dylan Carlson, the upside is just a lot higher, in my opinion. One of my takeaways this year from these drafting holes and and it fits into this conversation is that I feel, and I could be wrong, is that teams like Baltimore and Detroit are being overlooked uh, in particular in these drafting holes. There's a lot of, um, I guess, uninteresting picks, like, like for example, the Baltimore pitching and there's a couple of uh, the, the hitters in, on Detroit that, that Mike actually likes a lot um, that are very cheap and are, and are good value. Give me a couple of players that you, you know, on the Tigers or the Orioles that you mean? Um, what I'm talking about on the Orioles, well, Hayes is one that I'm noticing now, but on the Orioles, um, they're pitching staff. And this, this, uh, okay. this is something that I wanted to talk about. You know what, I'm going to, can we save it for our ADP risers? Because I wanted to talk about them there. But, yeah, definitely. Um, but Mike, if you want to, I, I want to I talk about my Orioles there. Um, there's especially, basically, their pitching staff. And then Mike, if you want to talk about now, they're the, tig- the Tigers hitters that you love. Well, I was liking more, them more before some of the uh, signings. That's been the big issue before they had Crone and um, Scope. And Scope, thank you. I was actually targeting somebody like Harold Castro late for the multi-positional eligibility because he was infield. He was, I think, second base and outfield, two of the hardest positions to fill. So he was a big target of mine late. But I'm still pretty in on Victor Reyes as a whole and Christian Stewart, both of which are going pretty good at pretty good values. I get them both like as my six outfielders at times and six. Yeah, or seven. you're talking in the twenties, uh, round wise, right? You're talking maybe around twenty five or after. I'd have to look at the recent uh, yeah, change yeah. in ADP because I know Victor Reyes has fallen a bit, but but even prior to the fall, I was getting them, and even though he isn't projected to hit at the top of the lineup anymore, although this is a, um, this is you know, Russ resource in January. So there's a lot to be, a lot to be uh, changed and all that. But Ray just offers you that speed component. I think the batting average is a higher floor than most people think. I, I, he has a lot, he shows a lot of good, uh, he, he makes a lot of contact. And with that, guy, his, I'm sorry, go ahead. Uh, another guy like Victor Reyes on, on the Tigers is Willie Castro, not Harold Castro, but Willie. Um, and he uh, was supposed to be the starting shortstop. He's only 22 years old. He played for them a, a good bit last year maybe it was just in September but anyway I remember him yeah he he didn't do very well but he's a he's actually sort of a prospect as much as um you know he's, he's he was definitely on the list for the Tigers and um again roster resource I actually I actually talked to Jason Martinez of roster resource and um it's it's really interesting to hear his train of thought if anybody wants to go listen to my podcast episode about that with him but but yeah, he's, he's, he fully um, puts out there. He's like, well, you know, even the managers of these teams don't know who's going to be in the lineup or what the order is yet. Like there's, there's a lot of, you know, spring training does change some things and, you know, there are certainly um, injuries and other things that will cause that. So if you're speculating on a guy who could get you a, you know, a 15, 15, you know, 270 type season, even, you know, in the 30, 30th round, go for it. You know, I, I think those are the kind of plays that are going to gonna pay off. And even if, you know, after the 30th round, I figure if I, if, if one out of three or four guys, maybe even one out of 10 
that I pick pays off, it's going to be a huge, uh, you know, game changer for my team. Yeah. See, that's... Later in, later in this draft, you see uh, two Tiger shortstops go. Um, Castro, Willie Castro uh, was picked. And I'm trying not to give away the whole draft, but um, <laughs> Isaac Paredes was also picked um, by Ralph. And he's, he has an ADP of over 700. And he was picked before this draft, before this 60 uh, prospect draft was even com- completed. Um, so that's, that, that's one thing. And you know what I will, I, there's one player I want to say for the ADP risers, but I will say that of the sleepers and we're getting a little bit of ahead of ourselves. Uh, there were three Baltimore pitchers that were, that were noted as sleepers uh, post 700 ADP. One, um, one of them I agree with, and it would have been one of my sleepers is ba- Brandon Bailey. Joe Gentile actually noted him. He is on roster resources uh, slated in to be a starter, a starter in their rotation. Um, he was a rule five pick and he was picked out of Houston, I believe. And anything, any prospect coming out of Houston, I treat as gold. They just, they just know how to, they just know how to draft. And then um, they are just a great first class organization. Um, <laughs> but other than the cheating, other than the, the rampant cheating, right? <laughs> I haven't heard about that. But seriously, I, I, you're speaking of. So I, I think I think he's a great. So you can get him around 48, 49, 50. I found I've got him a couple times, but he was actually sniped for me once. And then two other pitchers. Um, and you know what? We're gonna steal this from Ray a little bit, but well, I'm sure he won't mind too much. He noted Dean Kramer and Zach Lother both Orioles pitchers as sleepers. Um, I drafted get. Kramer, I think, one or two of my leagues already. Like, in I'm in a draft with Ray. I might, I might steal these guys from him. <laughs> well, Kramer was a guy I, was t- I took late in the first and maybe my second DC. I'm not, I know the last one I didn't get him. I think, again, I like to change up some of my late round dart throws. But there is one guy that I don't know if we're – again, we're talking about – oh, I mentioned him as a sleeper, so I can talk about him all I want. But, you know, I'm all about the Will Craig train this year. Like, you were a year early on him, Zach. I think that's what it was. I liked him last year a lot. I, I, I compared him. I was in on – and not, not to brag, but I was in on – this is well, – I'm bragging. I was in on Hoskins <laughs> way before um, he was called up big time. And I was in on Pete Alonso. I had Pete Alonso in every fucking league last year. Like, literally my – like, every league. Um, didn't care where I had to get him. And we did a lot of early drafts. And then I said, who's going to be the next person in that, that fits that profile? And my guess would be Will Craig. That would have been last year. I have a better one this year. So Will Craig's sort of second on my list now. And uh, I'm not going to say his name yet, but I have a guy, I have a guy who's my next Alonzo. Oh, you got to um, say his name. We, no, the, not the yet. No, I, I need to, I need to get this guy in every draft. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if it's Kevin Crone. It is. <laughs> I saw that I, I just noticed you guys took him in like the fourth round and I, I like that a lot so so again I think we're bringing out sort of the same point in different ways here um, when you're whether you're talking about a post 700 pick or you know even just a post 300 pick and that is they don't all have to hit right you you want to you want a better chance of your post 300 pick you know maybe get Dylan Carlson in the 20th round you you want a pretty good idea that there's there's a there's a decent chance he'll be up um, and he'll, he'll be as good as we, we think he is. But in the 50th round or the 40th round, uh, you know, you, you just want to take some reasonable stabs, and, and you know that not all these guys are going to work out. But um, I think, you know, maybe people that I, – I, I would assume that most people that, that do the Draft Champions Leagues know that. But, um, but yeah, I, I go for a lot of upside back there because you, you're just like, you know, 
four of these five guys are not going to work out. If I take, and I'll, I'll talk about my, my sort of picks, a lot of them are relief pitchers, but if like one of these guys gets saves, it's a game changer. Just, just one, you know, and I maybe take five or 10 relief pitchers in a draft and, um, I'm just just trying to spike one. So that's what I love about the draft champions, honestly. But I think okay, I'm. Okay, who is your third pick? The third pick, uh, again, so we've got most of the guys that I think are assured playing time pretty much off the board. Uh, I thought about like Mauricio Dubon. Um, he went the very next pick after I picked. And um, there were some other guys that I you know, think might get a good run. But I went with. Uh, uh, Shogo Akiyama. I hope I'm saying that right. Uh, because the Ray, uh, because the Reds took him, um, you know, signed him and paid him. I think it's 21 million for three years. So, like, to me, that says they're pretty much thinking they're going to play him. And uh, Roster Resource actually has him penciled in as the uh, as the leadoff hitter. So, and I think maybe in a platoon, but. You just you, you never really know about these things, but but even if he gets you know like, like he gets 400 at bats, um, if he's the guy that the Reds think he is, um, that they just paid 21 million dollars to, and the guy you know, that I've heard, I've never seen the guy play. I don't know that much about him, but I, I know that he's probably going to have playing time, and people are saying he's like a 2010 guy, uh, you know, 20 home runs, 10 stolen bases, something like that. Even you know, if it's 15, 15, 15, 10. The, the, the idea is that he's going to produce a little bit for you. He's supposedly he's going to hit for a decent batting average. And again, you go back to the playing time uh, and the spot in the lineup where he will, you know, is likely to hit and, he, and you're going to count on some counting stats there as well. So, um, and by that, I just mean, you know, runs and RBI. So, so I think, you know, he's a decent, as decent a chance as anybody at this point to, uh, to produce for you. And again, you know, I'm looking at this from a draft champions perspective and who's going to produce for me in 2020. I think that's a great pick. Um, who did you get in the next round? All right. So you guys stole Kevin Crone. I was going to get him, but um, you know, now we're into guys. I, I really wanted Ryan Mountcastle. I knew he wasn't going to come back. I think he's actually a really good hitter. Jake Fraley would have been nice. Another uh, Oriole. Another Oriole. All these people were gone. Um, and so, you know, I'm down to play to people to guys that I, I don't know how much playing time they're going to get. But I know that the Rays just traded for Randy Rosarina. And I like the Rays. They may, they may slow roll him. Who knows? But I feel like they're probably going to – get him in because that's what the Rays do. They platoon everyone. So they're, they're going to find him some at bats. And so, so we're at the place where I don't see anybody with, with sure at bats. There's no more Akiyamas. There's no more Austin Hayes. There's no more even, um, you know, Mauricio Dubons, who I think is like, you know, a level down. He's going to get the playing time, but I just, I'm not really sure what the production is going to look like. So with a Rosarina, here's a guy who I think is going to get some playing time. Um, and even if it's like less than 300 at bats, I think they're going to be really, really good ones. Cause I, I, I believe in his hit tool. I believe obviously in his speed, he's, I think he was, you know, top 25 or 30 guys in just sprint speed last year. Um, and, you know, I, I think it's, it's a, it's a profile that could, could produce a lot of fantasy value. Uh, and so for whatever time that he does get, he's going to be an option and, you know, kind of in a draft champions league, he's probably a guy I'm taking in the 35th, 40th round. And I'm hoping I don't have to play him because I, I'm hoping I'm going to have somebody more productive. That's going to get everyday playing time. But 
if you're going to have to slot somebody in and it's a guy that can get 300 uh, plate appearances and still steal 10 or 15 bags, then that's a pretty good guy to slot in if you have to. You know what I love about your first, well, this is your first three picks, right? The first four picks, uh, minus Austin Hayes, because I think he has a role. Um, St. Louis, Tampa, um, Cincinnati, um, and then also to an extent Milwaukee. These are all crowded in San Diego. I don't think I mentioned them. They're, they're all right now in, in January, all crowded outfield situations. We're going to find out more information later. And what I like about those picks is you take, you've taken well, well, upside, upside players that don't really have, well, they definitely don't have a, a secure role right now, but they could. And I want to take you back to 2017, my first year playing these leagues and a crowded situation that I want to talk about. Greg Bird, Chris Carter, now in Japan, you had, I think Ellsbury was potentially there. Um, Brent Gardner, um, uh, Gary Sanchez fit into the DH situation. Um, Aaron Hicks, um, Matt Holliday. But guess who was the most valuable player on that team in 2000? I think it was 17. Aaron Judge. And he was being drafted. He was being drafted right around where, where these guys are being drafted because he had a horrible uh, year before. Nice. Yeah. He struck out like 50% of his time in his like um, 150 at bats. So I think these are all players that maybe not, they're not going to do what he did that year, but these, these are all players, these are all players that remind me of that situation. What are you, Mike, do you have any thoughts on that? It's all a guessing game for all of us, man. We all want to find the next Aaron Judge. You're, you are an analyst. You're not yeah. a guesser. That's no, what we do. Anal- in this, in this situation, you analyze the data ahead of, in front of you. You spit out the obscure um, answer, and you're kind of giving you're giving your best educated guess. You are essentially providing a, an hypo, an hypo, a hypothesis. Oh, Todd Frazier was also on that team, and Clint Frazier, and Dustin Fowler, <laughs> and I, Tyler Tyler Austin. Look at all that was a wow. That was G Man Choi. It's so many outfielders at first baseman on that on that roster. So that's an interesting, uh, you know, uh, comparison sort of with Aaron judging. You know, I think obviously. So I would say that about the Randy Arena pick. I don't. I don't know if I would say that about my first three picks um, as much because I wouldn't, I wouldn't compare it to the Austin Hayes pick. No. Well, or even Dylan Carlson because I think if Dylan Carlson comes up, he's going to play and he's going to play every day. And I think. Akiyama, uh, the thing about him is, why else would they sign him if they didn't want him to play? Um, so, you know, Fair yes, Fair yes their outfield is, is crowded uh, uh, and they may do some platoons, but, you know, I think he's going to he's going to be a, a part of it. And we'll just see, you know, like at this point. Um, so, so maybe Akiyama and Rosarino, we could say sort of the same thing. And that is we don't know how much playing time they're going to get. But. Um, at, at that point, you know, at the point where no one is assured playing time, you just want to go with skills. And I think that's what you're saying. You know, like Aaron Judge had obviously had serious, severe power. Um, and that, you know, that's kind of what I'm thinking with other, other players late this year. You know, like I threw out Jake Cave earlier as an example. Like Jake Cave. I like, could, I like Cave late. He could be a power hitter uh, if well, he got and, every day, you know, playing. You know, he's, he's the type of guy who, you know, he'll hit 
two home runs in a game. <laughs> that's a crowded situation, though, because they got guys that could be coming up this year. Like, and that's, uh, and that's the, you know, back to your that's point. What, that's, that's what's scaring people off, I think. That's and, and that's why you get these guys so cheap, because you're going to get Randy Rosarina in, like, the 40th round. You're going to get Cave after that. And, 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 you know, like I said before, maybe, maybe they, don't, they don't all hit. Uh, that's why you're getting them in, at this place in the draft. But if they do get a little run, um, and, re, you know, a lot of times what you'd like to see is that they get full-time in September rather than a few at-bats every week throughout the season, right? So you can get them into your lineup um, and they'll do more. But you, like I said, you, you just get a couple of these late stabs to hit and uh, it'll, it'll really change your team. So I, I, I agree with you that I like taking guys with upside when um, you're picking between players who all have question marks. Uh, no, I didn't, even, I didn't even see who your fifth pick was, and I, I, mean, I, just sort, of, I, I sort of alluded to him already. <laughs> well, Zach, and like, let me, I should probably clarify, to be completely honest, I kind of got – I started daydreaming, so when you asked me my thoughts on things, I was kind of alluding to some of the later names, not all the names on the list, so I don't know if I answered the question appropriately. <laughs> I don't know. What question? My whole hypothesis and all that answer thing. What question um, was I asking? I don't, I don't even when remember you asked what my, I said. When you, when, when you asked me my thoughts on the um, – Oh, the just comparing it to the judge situation. Yeah, I, I just wanted—I just wanted to hear your voice. I just wanted—I well, just wanted yeah, you to say honestly, something. Honestly, I kind of got lost. Like you guys were talking, and I kind of zoned out. To be completely honest, and, um, I buy—I buy that. Played that off. No, no one would have been the wiser. Well, I, I hope I, I was just more or less. I was hoping my answer was appropriate because it holds true to some of these names that you're mentioning going so late. Dylan Carlson and Akiyama, for like to be specific, those names I have more confidence in. Those aren't the I'm gonna take them and hope for the best. Those are I'm taking them and I'm expecting production. The other names that you're mentioning that, you know, as we get later into this draft, those are the ones that it's like, here's my best guess. This is what I'm hoping for. This is what I'm gaining from the analysis and data and also my own personal beliefs that I'm putting into it. So, okay. So, the, like you said, it wouldn't have been noticeable, but I had to straight out, my, <laughs> I had to straight out well, myself because that, I didn't want to come good, off as. That's actually a really good segue into my last pick, what you Perfect. just said. Because, so, I, so my last, last pick, fifth pick, I took uh, Alex Kirilov. And, um, the, you know, the, the reason that's a good segue is because I don't know if Kirilov is even going to play this year. Um, I mean, I, th- I think he'll at least come up in September. Uh, he may be up at the Alistair break. And the thing is, if he, it, what would cause him to be up is if he just kills it um, in the minors this year. And so if, you know, let's say he comes up in July, if, if they bring him up at that point, They've either got a need in the outfield where they're, they're wanting to play him or he's just earned his way into everyday playing time. And so I would much rather take a shot on a guy like that who's either just going to ride my bench the entire year or he's going to come up and probably start for me for the last couple months over a guy like um, a, a guy who's going to not have everyday playing time or is going to have everyday playing time but is going to hurt you in a lot of areas and not really give you anything big. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm struggling to come up with a, a tangible example of a player, but just think of any, any player who's going to bat 220, who's, who's probably playing, you know, platooning or, or playing, Bubba uh, Starling. Two, you know, three, four games a week, even, or, you know, Bubba Starling, maybe he's even playing more than that, but he's not doing anything for you. So rather than have a player like that, who, who maybe you can play him all year, but at the end of the year, you're not going to have much. Take a guy like Alex Kirilov, and either you get nothing 
or you get two, three months, even one month of somebody that you're actually going to want to have in your lineup. Difference making or potential difference making uh, stats. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And we're, you know, we're talking 45th round here. So well, yeah, that's why, that's why I said Bubba Starling because he may have been a guy I've taken in a draft or two in that last round or two on the off chance that he does something. But then I'm like, I actually stopped taking, I didn't take him in the third one because I'm like, man, let me not assume that he's just, and, and since then, Brett Phillips has been, has surpassed him on the rest of resource and all that. So it's like, it really is just one of those situations you pretty much highlight. That's why the name popped up. So it's like he's like the only name in my head because of uh, my own issues with drafting him. Or I, I think I think you've definitely hit on something there. Uh, you know, you, you just want to avoid players that aren't aren't going to help you in the best case scenario. <laughs> but also, you know, uh, the the guys that aren't going to be in the lineup every day, it's it's really hard to ever get them on your roster. Um, you know, and, and unless you, you're just, and, and even if you have that situation where you have to have that, make sure it's somebody who's going to contribute in a certain area. Like I've taken a couple times uh, Ryan Zimmerman really late because I think he's going to have a decent amount of power and a decent batting average. But what I wouldn't, you know, obviously I hope I never have to play him, <laughs> but what I wouldn't want to do is take like a Ryan O'Hearn who I think is going to have a horrible batting average. And even if he does, you know, have to slot into my lineup at some point, um, you know, I'm, he's going to hurt me. Uh, just going to go for 15 that week or something. Exactly, exactly. So is that what you, is that what you were alluding to before we started recording? Um, one of the one of the tips that you that you um, that you wanted to talk about in terms of just avoiding certain players. I think, or, or, or you know, were those more like, or were those more um, early round players that you were referring to? Both, both. Uh, I think there's a, I think there's a few types of players that I avoid. So, you know, in the early rounds, I I just want to avoid players that are that I'm not 100% sure what they're going to give me, you know, because I, I, what I need in the early rounds is I need counting stats. I need, I need guys who have playing time in a prime spot in their lineup and I need certain things, right? Like, you know, I need stolen bases and I need batting average. I can't, I can't have, um, I can't draft a guy in the first or second round or even third round that might hit 240. (laughs) You know, that just doesn't work. Um, and I can't draft a guy who's going to get. Um, uh, honestly, I, I'll, I'll except if he's Louis Robert, right, or Louis <laughs> Robert, Louis uh, Robert, or however you say his name. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be interesting to see where he goes. I, I have gotten a couple shares, but I'm not. I'm not paying, you know, second, third, fourth round for him. So we'll see. No, I don't. I don't think he's gone that high yet. Or I think he might have gone yeah. at the end of the fourth once. I think oh he might creep into no. the fourth round. Uh, he went sixty first. Somebody tweeted that. What the heck, man? I don't really, th- I don't really think he's going to go much earlier than that. But I mean, it, it's tempting to take him in the fifth or the sixth, to be honest, because of because he gives you all the categories. You know, you or you're, you're hoping he will. You're hoping he will. Uh, <laughs> my one, my one fear with him, and I've said this before, is like stolen bases don't translate from the minors to the majors always as you'd expect. And there's been cases. George Springer was a huge run in the minors. Jock Peterson was a huge run in the minors, and both of them basically aren't stealers at all ever in the majors Korea to a lesser extent also not running yeah I, I agree uh he's a big question mark and so you got to bake that in um I've, I've in in my mind I've kind of comped him to, to Victor Robles um everybody thought Victor Robles was going to hit though um everybody's a little unsure about Luis Robert but Victor Robles I mean he, he really didn't hit his expected his expected bat- batted average was batting average was even worse than that. It was like two thirty something. So, uh, you know, 
uh, people have, I think, cooled off a little on him maybe, but I mean, I've seen him go in the fourth round a lot. And I think I'd rather take a shot on Luis Robert in the sixth or seventh round. I, I talked about this on the first, on our very first podcast with Mike, uh, that when we talked about speed quite a bit and I don't, I'm not going to get into it over again, but I comped, uh, I did a comp uh, Robert uh, to Robles. Definitely not going to get into it again because I think I rambled for two or three minutes, Mike. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> and that's, that's, that's on the low end. <laughs> Well, I'll give you a couple of names just so I can sort of make my point and be done with it. But like in the second round in a couple of drafts that I've been in, I've seen Pete Alonzo go early second round and Glaber, started. and Glaber Torres go late second round. Oh. And, I, you know, I'm not comping the two players, but I am saying that I'm not 100% sure what I'm going to get. Like if you're drafting Pete Alonzo there, you must be thinking you're getting 50 home runs, right? Because you, you, no one expects him to hit 300. Um and so, yeah, he's going to give you pretty good counting stats. He's going to give you a batting average that won't hurt you badly, but it, it'll, it'll hurt a little, probably. Like even, I mean, what did he hit last year, 260? I mean, if he hits 250 or even 240, that's not going to, that's going to hurt you. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm projecting 40 to 45 home runs. I think he's got real legitimate power, but you just can't, you can't expect more than that. You know, you can't expect he's going to have this, you know, power, you know, he's going to lead the league in home runs every year, you know. So if he hits 40 home runs with a 250, 240 average, what round do you think you should take that player? I mean, that's uh, it's almost Joey Gallo, you know. It's, it's certainly not a second rounder. Pete Alonso uh, hit uh, 23 home runs the second half of last year, which is did good. He, do, he hit that while hitting like 218, though. 235. Yeah, yeah. close enough. I'm not saying he's going to hit 240. That's what, that's what I just looked up. I, you know, I feel more confident that he's not going to hit more than 45 home runs than that he's going to hit less than 240. But I'm just saying these are the things that are in play for me. And if I'm taking a player in the second round, I want to have a pretty good idea that he's either going to get me 20-plus stolen bases or he's going to get me a batting average well above 280. <laughs> you know, I, I want like a, and, and a Starling Marte will do both. Um, a, I love Marte. A, a JD Martinez will do at least one of those things, you know. Like you're taking you're you're taking on sort of a double risk with a guy like Alonso. And then Blaber Torres, to me, it's kind of the same thing. I think I think he just sort of had a career year in home runs. I really I really don't think he's a 38 home run. Was it 38 or? I, yeah, I it was something like that. I, anyway, I yeah. you know, I, and I, I'm not down on Blaber Torres, but I think you're paying a Yankee tax there because he's not going to steal you that many bases. He's probably not going to hit much over 30 home runs and he's not a 300 hitter you know like you're hoping he hits you 270 280 well you know again you, you try to find a comp for that and it's pretty darn easy to find a comp like for for that in the fifth sixth round you know like i'm, I'm looking at uh, different positions of course but like what, what is he he's not is he second place eligible still maybe not anyway Ooh, i think uh, i would rather I think I would yeah. have Marcus Simeon four rounds later than have Gleyber Torres. I believe he's second second in shortstop. Okay, so if he's second base, that, that makes a little bit of a difference. But, I mean, bump him up to the fourth or fifth round instead of the sixth round. Don't I, think he belongs, I think he belongs in that stream of um, Albies, Marte. Um, I would rather have either of those guys for, uh, for specific reasons. So – uh, Marte, I think the average is going to be a lot better, and I think you're going to get basically the same thing everywhere higher else. Higher floor, yeah, higher floor, and he might even steal you a few more bases. Um, Agreed. Albies will almost definitely steal you a few more bases, 
the average is higher. You might not get as many home runs as Torres, but again, what's more valuable? Stolen bases are definitely more valuable than home runs. It's just a given. Um, you're not going to hear argument from me. I'm <laughs> me and you seem to be pretty similar in our valuation of Alonzo and, and uh, what's in, what's his face? <laughs> you said Torres. Yeah. Well, Torres. the thing is Zach's point is, is, is reasonable. Like you can put him in the range with those guys, but I have most of my drafts Torres is going the first of those guys. And it's about a round off at least. I I'm with you on Al- I'm with you on Alonzo. I'm not taking him there. Yeah. Although he is, he is tempting. Um, I like Torres a bit more than you guys do, but I, I agree. Um, and I, and I, I was listening some of it to your podcast uh, yesterday, Drew, um, and they're very good. And I, I noticed you talked talked up Kettle Marte, and I you you said almost the exact same, exact same thing I said on the last podcast in episode five here about Kettle Marte that people aren't buying into that he's that this is who he is, and I am. The profiles. Yeah. I mean, the, if you if you're if you're a metrics guy, which most of us are these days, you look into the metrics. You look into the changes he made. All of it's legitimate. All of it seems to be backed up by everything else. Like, there's really little reason to doubt. And even if he regresses a little bit, as he should, you're still looking at a very very solid five category producer. Yeah, on that point, I think people people confuse themselves a lot with regression. Like it's a it's a real thing. Like he's not gonna. What did he hit? Three twenty nine or three three twenty something? Right like nobody nobody thinks he's gonna do that again <laughs> like people say he's gonna regress and it's like it, they look at him like he's gonna hit 200 or something you know yeah it's i'm like, thinking well, like what? 280 290 when you regress 329 and... you get to 290 you know exactly. and, and and i think that's and you know people say well he never did it before it's like he's 25 years old or whatever he's also you know he's he's always made a lot of contact and last year he made a pretty big swing change he learned how to loft the ball which is not easy to do. Ask Vlad Guerrero Jr. You know, it's not <laughs> easy. If, we, if we see Vlad do that this year, oh my God, I will, can, I will buy in. Yeah. But, but the thing is, <laughs> um, and that's another guy that I'm kind of avoiding because I don't like to pay for things that I, you know, where I, I'm not reasonably sure. That they're you don't want to bet on the come. Yeah, exactly. I think, I, I think that's a good way to put it. People are betting on the come with Glaber Torres when they take him in the second round. I'm not going to fault you, Zach, if you want to take him, you know, in the third round, around, you know, like late third round where Albies and Kettle Marte are usually going. I, I still think you're betting that he's going to have a higher batting average than, you know, the projections would expect or I would expect and more home runs. But like betting on the come is taking a player like that um, over Aaron Judge or Bryce Harper or uh, who else is going around there. Um, well, Starling Marte is kind of a different type of player. But yeah, I, I'm taking those players where I'm I'm pretty sure I know what I'm gonna get. So that's so that's kind of the early uh part of that. And then 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 later it's just yeah, you wanna take a player that if if he does work his way into your up your lineup, he's gonna help you. <laughs> you just don't you just wanna ignore the guys that, you know, uh, it, uh let me let me find some good examples, but like okay, a guy that guy that I was actually kind of on last year. Because um, I, I thought he was going to run a lot more was Ronnie Rodriguez, and this you know we're talking about round forty here or whatever, um, and it turns out Ron, Ronnie Rodriguez didn't really run, and uh, you know we he's a guy for uh, let's see he was on the uh, Tigers right, yeah, um, and he you know he would work into the lineup a couple days a week. He hit he hit a few home runs. He actually kind of helped me one or two weeks, but you you pretty much are not going to be able to use a player like that more than a couple of times a year. And even then there's a chance that he just goes 0 for 20 and hurts you. Um, so 
again, rather than take someone like that, take someone that may not be up till September, but if he does get into a lineup, is going to do really good stuff. Uh, what was the name that you guys threw out earlier? Isaac Paredes of Detroit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he might not be their shortstop. He, they're talking about moving him to third base, or you know, I've heard people talk about that. I should say. Um, but if you know, let's say he just comes up for a cup of coffee in, you know, late August, September, um, that's a guy that you can pretty much know is going to do positive things for your team. And again, if it's just if you can't use him until September, that's fine. But in September, maybe he gets you, uh, you know, a solid batting average and some power and speed. You know, so I, I don't know. That's just kind of the way I think about it. Uh, early versus late. I, I, I just want to sort of avoid, avoid the pitfalls earlier and avoid the guys that just aren't really going to help you even in the best case scenario late. Right on. So do you guys want to shift gears to um, ADP risers? We can, yeah, we can run through a few. I know it's, we're kind of pushing on time a little bit. So Yeah, let's, uh, all, we, we, uh, we sent out a tweet uh, about uh, the ADP risers from November uh, versus November versus December. And some of the biggest ones. You want to you want to look at them on uh, overall on a on a I guess on a on the magnitude basis, or do you want to look at it on a percentage basis? Well, so on a percentage people. basis, you're going to get like risers like Luis Castillo, but they didn't he didn't rise as many spots as some of the guys rising like hundreds of spots because of they were just drafted so late. So percentage or or, or magnitude, whatever you feel is. Better. All right, let's go. Let's go percentage. Um, so the biggest, uh, the biggest from the biggest risers from November to December. I'll just quickly list them, and then I don't want to get into a bigger. I want to get into a bigger discussion on uh, go forward basis. Who do you think is going to rise now from like January through to March? So these ones were Josh Lindblom because of obviously the signing, and no one knew who he was. Uh, Jesus Aguilar, obviously um, a situational change with him as well. Kwang Hyung Kim, same thing. Kevin Gosman. Uh, so there's some news about that. Adam Hazley, also news. Austin Romine, change of scenery. Evan White, signing. Scott Oberg. Uh, Matt McGill, um, potential closer for the Mariners. Michael Franco, Franklin Barreto, Cole Hamels, Dylan Bundy, um, Chris Sale. Um, Setsugo, Brian Healy, Peraza, Luis Castillo, and Jonas Cespedes. So those are the biggest, those are the biggest positive movers. And a lot of those are just – different situations that they're in now. They all make sense. Teams. They all make sense. Like Luis Castillo, uh, Chris Sale, Scott Oberg, maybe those are just people getting more comfortable with where they are. They're just a market correction. Yeah, uh, I, I think to some extent you're going to see um, anybody whose situation uh, solidifies itself is going to be a riser. So like probably Josh Donaldson will be a riser this week, right? because he's got a job. It's with a good team. Um, you know, not that anyone thought Josh Donaldson wouldn't have a job, but it's just like, you, you, once you see where it is, you see it's not the Marlins, not that that was really in play, but you know what I'm saying? It, it's, it's just people don't like uncertainty and, and rightly so to some extent. I mean, we don't, we don't want to go gamble on, you know, everything happening as we'd like it to. And there is sort of, you know, the stock sort of rises when, um, we, we have a better idea of what's going to happen. Uh, but I think that's what you're seeing in a lot of those. Now, it, maybe Luis Castillo is an interesting one to talk about. I don't think there's really been a big change with him. What uh, I, I, I honestly, and 
this is not, you can't take too much away from this. Honestly, that's because of me. <laughs> well, I'm not joking you. I took, well, honestly, I, I think all, all, a lot of, I've done, I've done eight draft and hold leagues and a lot of them have been recently. Mm-hmm. Um, that's going to make, that's going to, that's going to impact that ADP. That's, that's me. So yeah. sorry. Sorry about that. Well, no, I was, sorry about I, was seeing, that. I was seeing a lot of, uh, I was seeing Castillo and Giolito go in the fourth round and Corbin go late fourth round. And the last one I did, all three of those guys went late third round. Um, I took uh, Castillo on the turn, uh, the 2-3 turn, and Mike in the league that we did together. I took Snell and Castillo. Chris Sale has moved up so much. as, as you know, that, And again, that's maybe some, some news is factoring into that. Um, I, would, I, I would 100% guess the fact that he was given like the go-ahead yeah. to – you know, throw without limitations or whatever. Yeah, all these things make sense now. So, but what I want to look at is what's gonna. I want to want to sort of play beat the ADP, or <laughs> beat the ADP. So, yeah, all these things are going to make sense in March. But can you sort of put together the or connect the dots uh, to see what what might happen later? Um, so, Drew, do you have anyone like? I guess let's look at some of the early. Like, let's 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 take let's take this into two uh, two categories, and then we'll then we'll end the podcast. With it. One is like early ADP, and define that however you will, and then late ADP. So, do you have any any early ADP guys that you think that are going to rise? Obviously, like not Acuna, yeah, like Trout, but like some of them. When somebody like in the third, fourth round, fifth round that you think um, can, can, is going to move up. Well, I'll say a couple of guys that I've already sort of seen rising. Um, I, th- I think um, – so I've been getting a ton of Ramon Laureano. I just think he's got everything I'm looking for, power, speed, uh, good spot in the lineup, and a decent batting average. I think, you know, it's certainly a batting average that's not going to hurt you. And I think, you know, he could, he could hit upwards of 275 uh, if – if he, you know, sort of plays to his full potential. So anywhere in the 260 to 280 range is okay with me. I love it. I love that uh, call. I really, I really like him. I mean, he's just, you know, it's, he's, it, I think it's like Spore that always talks about, you know, guys that are good fielders. And, you know, I think we all know he's got like a cannon arm. He throws out people at home. It's almost like Bo Jackson stuff that he does with his arm in the outfield. Um, but then, you know, like, so, so, so he's going to have playing time. And that's what Paul has, has projected to bat at second. Yeah, he, he's going to play. He, he's he's good, so he's going to be in a good spot in the lineup. And they're not taking him out of the lineup because who else is going to who's going to be uh, you know that um, much of a plus in the field? So, oh hell no! You're not going to take. Are you going to take a out of the lineup? Right, exactly. You're not going to take Lariano out of the lineup. The same thing. <laughs> yeah, Acuna, you're not taking him out because of his. So I don't bat, see any. So. I don't see any difference here. I guess. I guess I agree with you that Loriano's bat is good enough too. Uh, that's why I like him so much because hey, I don't really the, care hey, about his question, arm. Question. Like question for you that I know the answer to. Where did Loriano come from? What team? Um, like what? What team drafted him? Yeah, I don't know how he got on the A's. I don't know if he was traded or if he was. Um, he was oh. probably traded. Well, uh, I'm going to guess Astros from the way you asked that. Yeah. yeah. Yep. He's from the Astros. And you know what? His minor league stats were awesome. I, I like him. And I've, take, I've been taking him in the 60s. And um, I had a conversation on Twitter with actually Matt Modica. And I was, he, he said something about, um, about Loriano. And I was actually taken aback because I, I wasn't getting him because I didn't realize how early he was actually already going, like around pick 80. Now his, his ADP right now is 78. And you know what? I just bad on my bad. I didn't realize how quickly, how quickly he was already being drafted. And I expect him to move up and I've been taking him in the sixties now. 
Yeah, he's he's definitely already risen a lot, and that's kind of the the thing with with a lot of these I could that I could call out. It's like the ones that I think are going to rise, uh, a lot of them are already rising. So I actually got Laureano in the seventh round back in the fall league that we did, and I've gotten him in the sixth a couple times, I think. And um, I missed him in my latest draft. He went uh, with the what is this? The ninth pick, eighth pick in the fifth round. So he went before pick 70. So I'm was, this, at our- was this you under, under an alternate name, Zach? Is this? <laughs> Which, I don't have an alternate name, no. It's, it's not you. But so actually, so, so actually in that draft, I ended up taking uh, Moncada. Moncada went to me after Laureano was already off the board. And that kind of drove home a, a pretty good point to me that I haven't, I haven't done a great job of this because I definitely have like my guys that I want in the first you know, eight or 10 rounds. Like, guys that I'm getting a lot of and I'm like, I'm hoping he's there. But if, but if somebody jumps a guy, that means one other guy is going to move up a spot, you know, is going to be a, one spot later than he would have been earlier. So you, you should probably have as many alternatives as you can. And I think I heard somebody, I wish I could give credit because I don't remember who said this recently on a podcast was talking about uh, the, the better, you know, every player in the field and like where you would draft them. Like another, another, Pete Alonso type guy that I've just never really been on is Chris Bryant of the Cubs. And, but at some point, Chris Bryant becomes a guy that you must draft. If you're in the ninth round, (laughs) this is never going to happen to you. But if he, but if he was somehow there, then he's better than everyone else on the board. And uh, he's a guy that I will never have because he goes in the third round or the fourth round. But um, got him a couple of times. I like him actually. I'm not trying to, to slag the guy. What I'm saying is at some point he's the best player on the board. If, everybody if has falls, a price. If he falls enough. Yeah. Everybody has a, has a price. And so the better, you know, the entire field of players, the better you're going to do. And so that, that allowed me not to cry too much about the Lariano. Uh, Cause I, I was going to take him. Uh, if not right there, then I thought he might actually drop to me in the sixth, but yeah, I was not unhappy to get Moncada there at pick 70 one or something like that 70 i'm looking at one of the draft and holds that me and you were in drew yeah and um you know what the loriano is one of those guys that um you got robles loriano and louis 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 robert those are your guys that are going to give you some speed your outfielders that are going pretty early and i always i always said i'm always saying that loriano's uh, i like the value of loriano and i and i liked the value of rob robert um, but in this draft, uh, we're, we're, I was picking in the 13 hole in the fifth round, and then you were right after me. I took Ro- Robles pick uh, 5.13, and then you took Loriano 5.14. Oh, I, th- I think I see the draft you're looking about. It, it was actually the end of the fifth round, so it was five, you took him at 5. Point, uh, is that what you said, 5.13? Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm happy to, to take Loriano there. And, again, that was because – some of the other targets that I would have there were already off the board, but sure. I'm a hundred percent happy with that. That was well, look, at that. look at, look at where I took Castillo there. <laughs> See, I, I'm, yeah. not, I'm not lying. Third <laughs> round, baby. I like it though. Um, yeah, no, but, but Loriano is a guy I see shooting up the board. Um, you know, unfortunately, uh, I think Oscar Mercado has already shot up a little too far for my liking. Yeah, uh, I agree. Because, I'm avoiding him at the at the price. I I'm think glad, he I'm could, glad I had him last year. I, I think he could year. steal 30 bases, which is going to be just ultimately valuable. But it, it could almost be like um, I just I just don't know about the power. You know, like I, I'm not convinced he's going to hit even 20 home runs. And the you power's know, not real, man. Like what we saw 15, last year. That's... 
15 hertz and any less than that is really going to gonna set you back. So I'd rather take my chances on a guy like Luis Robert, who, you know, I'm not sure he's going to steal as many bases as Mercado. He, 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 may, he probably won't, but he's going to definitely have more power. And um, so, so it's just a, it's, it's kind of a coin toss to me, and I'll, I'll take the upside on that one. I'm just looking at this draft right now. You let me have Evan White in the 24th round. Yeah, that was a mistake. I, uh, <laughs> I was, I was, I was pretty mad about that. I, I was uh, noticing that I you took to get... you took Austin Voth, and then after that, I took Evan White. Come I was on. noticing that I needed to get more starting pitchers, and, and um, I have definitely uh, taken a lot of shots um, at Austin Voth because I think he's a guy who could really give you great ratios and strikeouts if he gets the job. And Ew, I just... I've seen. I see no I reason why he would not get the job there at some point. Um, because no, I, I like I like him. I'm just I'm just bugging you because we just talked about Evan Wonder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I took no, Wonder. I took Wonder Franco in the 31st round. Jeez, what was I thinking? You weren't thinking there. No, I was not thinking there at all. I don't <laughs> no. like that one bit. This is actually the draft. I got auto. I got auto drafted for the first um, for the first round in this draft. Um, uh, this is my only. This is in my Nolan Arenado team. <laughs> no, I usually I, I usually want to have. I want I want stolen bases. I got I started off with our Arenado and Freeman. You're so in too many that. drafts, Zach. You're in too many to to make your to podcast and make your picks at the same time. I'm actually on the clock right now on another draft. <laughs> well, okay. Anyway. So, anyways, let's um, Mike. Do you have anyone um, now that we've had you've had you've had some time to think? Do you have anyone in the early rounds that you're um, you think oh. is going to rise? Early rounds. I was focusing on the later rounds. <laughs> okay, we can, we can we can come back to that because we're already we're already running a little bit late on time. My guys um, here. Um, I, I think I still think Marte is going to rise, Ketel, um, but we've talked about him enough. One of the guys here's here's something that um, that Drew's going to disagree with me on. I think Aaron Nola is going to rise, and I know you do not like him because I've listened to your podcast. You, you, don't, <laughs> you do not like him at the at his value. So now, what? Go ahead. So I, I just think he's sort of at the back end of that tier. He's uh, he's going after um, a lot of the times after Giolito and and Mar- Morton um, some, and Kershaw, and even though his ADP doesn't reflect that, I think that. If you look at his 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 K walk, I'm big on K walk percentage, and it's an easy one to look at. But looking at that, I know his walks are up last year, um, but his K's his K's were also up. I think he just um, I think he has some some room to improve. I think he's going to get you that. Um, people always preach volume in innings, and he's one of those guys that's like almost a guaranteed 200 innings as long as he stays healthy, and he's going to get you your he's going to get you a nice base of strikeouts where you can afford to he's you can afford to speculate on. Getting him early, you can afford to speculate on some higher upside guys as well as some lower strikeout guys like your Strowmans and Keikels in the later rounds. I like I, I like him for that value. All right, so um, let me do a good job of let me let me say what I have not done a good job of doing, and that's I'm going to say some nice things about Aaron Nola. <laughs> so I completely agree with your 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 take on volume. Like he's gonna, you know, unless something happens, like he's he's the ace for that staff. He's he's going to get you. 32 plus starts, uh, you know, with the good health, he's going to get you, you're, you're right about the strikeouts. They've actually kind of, if anything, trended up. So that's good. Um, the reason I don't like him in the third or fourth round is uh, because, well, two things. One is he's another one of those guys um, like Pete Alonso or Torres, where I just, I'm not a hundred percent sure what I'm going to get. Right. I don't know what that whip is going to be. It could be 1.05. It could be amazing. Or it could be 1.2. And that's a huge difference to me because what I can do is I can either 
pay for a guy in round probably one, honestly, like DeGrom, Cole, Verlander, Scherzer, who I know is going to have a whip there, uh, you know, one or sub one, and then take Kettle Marte in the third round. Or I can take, uh, you know, Lindor or somebody like that in the first round and then take Nola in the third. Or, or you know, maybe he's the fourth, but you, I think you get my point, whether my example is, is great or not. And so uh, this is something that um, I know I keep <laughs> shouting out Toby about Flip Crazy. Um, he was on a recent episode of yours. But um, this is something he's completely sold me on. And a lot of people are talking about this sort of like pocket aces strategy, I think was the name someone gave it, um, of just grabbing two pitchers in the first and second round because you, you know what you're going to get from them. And it's going to be – they're going to move you up in all the categories. And, and whip is just one that I like to throw it out there because um, it's really hard to find later. And it's really hard to sort of – sort of keep your whip stabilized and to do that you need a high volume guy who's going to have a ridiculously low whip and you pretty much find all those guys in the first and second round and so so nola's kind of a a a dart throw to me he could be that guy but you're the reason you're getting him two or three rounds later is because of the unknown and i think you know my my poor example earlier you know with with Marte versus you know his correlate in the first round is that I, I like the the difference. Marte is not Lindor, right? No one would say that. But I like the difference there to be less than the difference between Verlander and Noah. Yeah, I can get I can get on board with that. So that's so I you know I may have been too hard on Aaron Nola. I think there's a lot of good things about him. But you know, he's kind of got that like Trevor Bauer type thing where it's like he's he's definitely got the upside, but I would rather just go ahead and pay for it at the top and then I still get really good hitters later. So that's just the way I'm going about it. The other, the other pitcher on that uh, that's going actually even later than all of these, um, almost he's almost a start of a next tier, but is really the end of this tier is Luis Severino. And I was talking to Matt Modica again, and he's saying one of, he's one of those, he thinks he's one of those guys that's going to rise and, and he might be one of the best values of the draft. I do, I, I do agree with that. Um, my, only, my, only, my only worry is that the, the volume on him because they have such a good bullpen and he may not, he might not get the innings this year. He's coming off an injury. They're just so loaded. Playoff Mike, aspiration, or, playoff aspirations as well. I'm really worried about his inning, his uh, workload. I love I him for like daily leagues, good. daily and dynasty. Yeah. I'm all over it for his price. But yeah, yeah I, I tend to agree with you, Mike. Here in the, in these formats, he, I'm more uh, risk adverse on pitchers that early. I'd rather take somebody. I mean, he fits into that glass now kind of territory where it's like. I'm going to take Severino over Glass now personally because I think they have similar inning cap and similar. Um, I like Glass no more than Severino. Well, I know you do, and I can understand it. That's just my personal. Exactly, but I, I feel like they're grouped together, and I won't have much of them in this format in particular. That's all. I think you guys are you're you've got them you you've got a, a crew pegged between you know Nola Darvish Charlie Morton Paddock Severino. Even Granky, maybe Glassdale, Kershaw, Trevor Bauer at the sort of maybe the start of the next tier, somewhere somewhere in there. I think we're talking for now fourth and fifth round. Um, maybe some of those dip into the third. I think the thing about all of those guys for me, and I like a couple of them. I'd, I'd take a shot on you, Darvish. I, I still think Charlie Martin's got something in the tank. But the thing about all of those guys in that range to me is just again, you pay 
two or three rounds earlier and you get more of a sure thing. And if I take, uh, you know, one of those guys in the fourth round, I'm giving up on, uh, you know, the hitter that I would, would get there, which I think is going to be a really good hitter. So and what you're saying is you, you lose, you lose more taking a pitcher in the fourth round versus I think the difference between Verlander called the Grom and all the guys that, that I just mentioned, I just named like 10 pitchers in like the fourth round or fifth round. I think the difference between that is a lot bigger than the difference between a late first round hitter and a fourth or fifth round hitter. Yeah, um, obviously, that's, if you can that's, get... That's what I meant to say. <laughs> that's what I was you, trying to say. If you can get Acuna, Trout, Yelich, maybe Betts, <laughs> okay, you know, take a hitter in the first round. But after that, you know, it, there's a very compelling case to me for taking a pitcher. I can understand right it both ways. I think a lot of it just comes down to each individual drafter, what you feel your strengths and weaknesses are as a drafter. And for me personally, I feel very confident in my, in my hitter valuation. So I, I like to think that... I like pitching. Has, like I mentioned it, I think a little earlier, or maybe off the air, that my pitching analysis has been the weaker, weaker side of my analysis in the past. So maybe that's a crutch to me. So although I still take a hitter in the first round nine times out of ten, I still tend to get two pitchers in the top, in my top twenty, and kind of. So I'm actually more likely to get that Lucas Giolito type or the Corbins, just like that, like in that third, fourth round, and I'm okay with that because I know I feel like I'm really, like I said, I feel really confident in my hitters. Uh, Hitter valuation. So again, it's just I think it's a per drafter, per strength and weakness thing as well. That plays into and, and and you know, going back to Castillo being bumped up, and I've seen Giolito and Corbin be bumped up. Maybe there's a little bit of track record with those three that you're that you know, Aaron Nola has not shown the same track record yet. You know. And I feel like Patrick Corbin is so underappreciated for that aspect of things too because he's done it for a couple of years now so well he went third round in my last one so <laughs> I don't know yeah. well I, I just feel like he's one of those he's like the least flashiest name with just like you know what you're getting you know what i mean yeah. like i i feel like you that and knowing what you're getting is so underappreciated people want the flashy sexy gaudy name you know they want the shiny new toy so to speak yeah. i'm starting to like giolito a lot more i was sort I of cool on him there's 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 it, i don't know i always struggle uh, i always argue with myself on him because now I'm looking at him. He's through a hundred, he threw 175 innings last year. Um, and you think, what, what was his strikeout? It's total like 230, 240. It was like 11 point something K per nine. It was really, yeah. Really so it, think of what if this guy, he looks like a horse. If you, if you can get to 210 innings this year, give can you get to like, a, sorry, <laughs> give him 190 innings. You're still, no, no, I want to give him to two. I want to give him 210. Stop, um, stop being selfish. Take the 190, 195 and be happy. If he gets 210 innings, could he strike out like 290 batters? Like, could he be in the Cole Verlander territory in strikeouts? Like, no, I guess Cole. The other, the other, the other point is that he, um, I've said this before, over 20% of his innings were against the Kansas City Royals last year, and he had wide, change. he had wide fluctuations in his ERA or his ERA well, performance month to month. So, so, I think three separate months he had an ERA over five. So, he had a couple of injuries too. I don't know if people remember that that he was actually out for. He had, he only made twenty nine starts last year, so he wasn't he wasn't injured for long, but he was definitely he missed a few starts. And um, you know, I, I like Giolito a lot. Um, I'm if I if I miss a pitcher in either the first or the second round, I'll usually try to grab him in the third. Um, I've even gotten him in the sort of the early fourth round pick. Um, yeah, that's where my very our, my very first uh, DC. I got him as my. Uh, fourth round pick paired that's him awesome. with, 
paired him with Corbin late late third early fourth. I really like that turn I made. So nice. There's two more. There's two more. Two more guys I want to talk about in the early, early drafts, and I won't spend much time on them. One is Jose Abreu. Um, he's going before. Just he's, sorry, he's going. He's going after Paul Goldschmidt. He's going after Mike Maddles. I know you love him, but he's also going after um, who is the comp that I was looking at that is even before Goldschmidt, um, Rizzo. So I don't. I don't see much difference between um, uh, Abreu and Rizzo. And I think you know, Toby talked about this recently as well in his first base preview yesterday. Um, I think he said he might even in a vacuum take. I'm not. I don't want to quote him, but I think he might have said he, take, he might take a break over Rizzo and definitely over all those other guys. So I think I think you'll just mainly because guys like him are saying this, and I agree because of the bat the, the batting average that he contributes. I think he should be moving up. I agree. I can't see taking Olsen or even Goldschmidt over Abreu. I just think definitely not Goldschmidt. He's do not do not say bad things about Olsen. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm not gonna say. I'm not gonna <laughs> no, say no, anything. It's not bad. I'm just anything bad about him. I just I. No one would expect his batting average. No one would take him over Abreu if it was just a batting average contest. So oh, no, batting average, no. Everybody's taking Olsen for the power, and. Um, you know, uh, but there's some batting average there. People maybe not, don't see. I mean, he was expected was like 270, 275, and the line drive rate, the hard hit rate, it was it's all there to support a 270. I think Steamer has him at like 255, 260. I'm not sure. That's what and, they well, were saying so Steamer yesterday. projects. Steamer projections are, are are largely based on track record as well. So, so you're so. saying Steamer can blow it out of their ass, right? With respect to Olsen. I'm just not a projections guy. I think there's more to it than... Yeah, I, I'm not, I wouldn't say I am either. So I'm not saying there's anything wrong with them. They are a good baseline, and they do. I think they have more relevance to players like an Altuve, like a Springer, guys that are more proven. Guys that I think I was listening, because I was listening to Rates and Barrels on my way home this morning, and it's funny because they mentioned those two players. That's why the names are in my head that... Uh, they were talking a little bit about that and I think it was Eno talking about it so I don't want to take credit because it happens to be the same names but I just happen to really agree with that take of his and I, I just want to make sure credit is given where credit's due that he said it I just happen to really agree with it that you look I that's the only time I'll look at like a like a uh, what's it called I just can't think of the word now. I'm blanking a projection that's the only time I will look at a projection at a well-known commodity and take that with more um with, I'll look at that with more confidence. I, I tend to value that a little more, whereas you can't really look at it with like some of these younger guys or lesser proven commodities or somebody who's done like a significant change in their profile. You're right. Who cares about batting average? That's why they don't have a batting average derby. They have a home run derby. Sorry. <laughs> I could say that. I could be an asshole to you because you're friends. But, <laughs> but, they, but they, you can be an asshole to me anyway just because you can be an asshole. Be, because care. I'm an asshole. You're not, not going to hurt my feelings. I'm a fireman. I can deal with I have thick skin these days. You know what I mean? <laughs> I think it, I think it's an interesting question to see if, if Olsen made a change of some kind. Um, you know, I don't know that he, he really needed to change a lot, but he did, you know, he had a big second half last year, um, especially in batting average. He actually hit 282 in the second half, but 249 in the first half. And I know he's coming off an injury, but, you know, maybe look back and see what he hit some of the previous years and then see, well, was there anything underlying or did he just happen to, to hit the ball really well in the second half. So yeah, I know his barrels were – I think it was something – like I know he had barreled the ball better. He was definitely – And that will drive up your batting average too, right? Obviously, if, yeah. if you're connecting with everything and driving it out of the park, yeah, you're going to – 14.5% barrel. He's always been a good barrel guy though, 12.2 the year before uh, – 2018, 16.3 in that awesome small sample in 2017. 
And where's the launch angle? The launch angle was a little bit different last year, a little increased, which probably, let me guess, let me, let's look at that line drive rate because I remember line drives being such a big deal. His line drive rate improved. And when you have a line drive rate improve like that, typically you're going to have batting average improvements as well. Yeah. So, so, so there's a little bit, a little bit of stuff in there. He's a reasonable person to take for upside. And I like, I wouldn't say that the batting average is going to hurt you, but I feel like I know what I'm getting better from a Brayu. So maybe he's just more my style, you know, going along with everything else I've said about sort of in the first five or even 10 rounds draft guys that are going to give you that, you know, what you're going to get from them. Well, the second player, and this is a group of players that I want to talk about are closers. I think closers are, go are going to move up and I've already seen that happening. One in particular that I can note is Keone Kella. He is going off at, I'm just scrolling down, where the hell is he? He's going off at 227, and way, way after the other ones. And he was actually, um, I was in a recent draft, and Vlad Settler was in this draft. Closers were going, ended up going super early, well, well ahead of what their ADP has been this year. And he, I'm like, okay, well, I, I, I was talking about this before. I ended up getting Archie Bradley because as my closer one, because everything was just going off the board way earlier than ADP. And I was uh, using ADP as a crutch. Um, and then I'm like, okay, I can at least get Keone Kella because he's projected to be the starter. Maybe he'll get traded, but we don't, we've seen that doesn't always pan out, i.e. Will Smith last year. Um, and Vlad took him at like 160. Like he took him like well ahead of his men and like, 60 picks ahead of his ADP just because he's a smart player and he's going with how the draft was going. So I see closers moving up. That's my second, uh, that's my second point from and a second and last point from the early part of the draft. I think you're definitely right there. I've, I've already seen it some too. And um, you know, it's funny. It, it's like there are the early guys have moved up the most, right? So I see hater going a lot of times. I think I've seen him fourth round. I know I've seen him fifth round a couple of times. Kirby Yates, in the you know fifth or sixth round as well, and Heraldus Chapman and Asuna not very far behind, and so all those guys had gone in my most recent draft, and even some other guys in the seventh and eighth, like Hendricks and um, uh, Taylor Rogers, Brad Hand, and then uh, you know it kind of slowed down in the eighth and ninth round. And I saw Giles and Edwin uh, Diaz, and that was about it. It was weird, and so it was coming back around to me in the 10th round and I took Julio Urias because I just, I really think he's going to give you elite stuff when, you know, however many starts he does get out there. Maybe that pick's not looking so smart if they just keep hiring more pitchers. But, but as soon as I took him uh, in the 10th, this closer run started. And I think there were like 10 closers taken off between that pick and my next pick. Uh, so what I do in those situations, I took a closer, obviously immediately I took Jose Leclerc in the 11th. And then uh, it swung back around to me in the 12th, and I went ahead and took another one, just whatever I could get. I took Ian Kennedy, which I actually kind of like him to some extent. Um, and, you know, to me, the, playing these closer runs is really a skill that you develop. Because you don't want to – I mean, like, I, I'm not one to pay for a closer in round five or six or seven or eight. Uh, I'll wait until the run has started. But then you got to be totally on it and, um, you know – it could have it could have worked out even even worse for me to be honest, um, but you got to make sure you at least get one closer when you see that run going, um, and then you know I, I usually like to take actually three in somewhere in the teens rounds, but I hardly ever take one before that. And I guess the the silver lining if you if you miss the start of a run is there may be a, a player who shouldn't be on the board still. So like after I took. Uh, 
Julio Urias, but before I took my first closer, uh, Kyle Schwarber and Fran Mel Reyes both went off the board in the 11th round. So if you were a guy wow. that took a closer earlier in the draft and both of the guys who took um, them had taken Hayter and Chapman, they got a huge bargain in the 11th round. So, you know, it's, it's, there's a finesse to the way you play the closer game. Uh, if, you, if you take a guy early, not only are you going to get a great closer, but you may run into some value later. Um, but just make sure you're not giving up value at the time. Like the guy who took Hayter took him before Ramon Lariano went off the board. And I, I know who I'm taking there 10 times out of 10. So. Oh, for sure. Mike, do you have anyone now that you, actually you mentioned Urias. Urias is one of the guys I had that um, in the mid, in the mid rounds, I call them mid rounds, not really mid rounds, but I, I see him like comparing him to Jesus Lazardo. I, I see him potentially throwing more innings and potentially like their, I think their, their ADPs are like two, two rounds apart. So I think you have yeah. the same sort of concerns there. I see like over time, um, they've already told us that Urias is going to be a starter. Um, I agree. His inning, he's not going to throw 200 innings for sure, but um, I think he... That's a good comp to Lizardo, I, I think. Um, and again, I, I probably sound like a broken record, but I, you know, I, this is exactly what I keep harping on is I'll take the guy where I'm pretty sure what I'm going to get. You know, Urias, we've seen him in the major leagues. Lizardo, by all accounts, is going to be a very, very good pitcher. But, you know, we've got sort of a track record now with Julio Urias. And so if they both get, you know, 140 innings, 150 innings, I'll bet on Urias. And maybe I'm wrong, but I'll, I bet that, you know, he's going to, even if uh, Lizardo beats him out, I bet he's going to do well. And I think there's a pretty good chance that he's just the better pitcher. You bet Urias. <laughs> <laughs> That was good. Sorry, sorry. I'm a, I'm a dad, so now I'm a dad, so I can make those jokes. Um, okay, Mike, do you have anyone now that you've had enough time to think about it? You might, you got to have. It could be deep, uh, early, late. Who do you think is going to move up? Aristides Aquino. Just kidding. Mike, are you here? I was stalling for time. Aquino. Aquino. Sorry, I actually oh. was. I muted because I coughed and I forgot to unmute. Um, and I, that's, so that was just me trying to be respectful to you guys talking. I didn't want to cough in the middle of your thoughts. Anyway, so I have four names. I have four names. I'm going to literally run through them because time is getting the better of us as always. It's already going to be about an hour and a half. <laughs> so the four names, they're all going outside the top 250. One's outside the top 300. So they're a little deeper, considered sleepers for all intents and purposes. But the first one I think is going to rise a bit is going to be David Peralta. I think people are going to start getting more hip to the name, redraft leagues. I don't understand why he's falling so much. I know the power isn't going to probably get 30, the 30 to 35 he put up two years ago, but you still are probably going to get a 270 batting average, probably at least 25 home runs, and he's hitting them in the middle of what's like an underrated, I feel like an underrated lineup. So he should be sliding right back in the middle of the lineup. Good RBI potential, pretty much four-category guy without the price tag. What, Love, uh, what, what's his ADP? Um, last 30 days, I looked it up in strict, strictly in DC leagues. It's uh, 265. Okay. I'm, I, I have, he's overall from, from the start to finish, he's 275. So that's fairly close. So he is raising, rising a little bit. So I guess that's Correct. kind of showing he's already rising. The next guy, we, we took him in our, we took him in the draft because we both really like him as Sam Hilliard. He's going at 280 over the last uh, 30 days. And I think a lot of it's just, with all these trade talks with Arenado, you have to hurry up and get your shares now because the second that Arenado's dealt, that's going to open up playing time across the board. You're going to have McMahon opening up spots or Hampson likely sticking to the infield, which gives Hilliard 
a real chance. And I already think Hilliard has a real shot at winning that job. And we've seen the power speed potential. We've spoken about him on this podcast. We've spoken about him. I've spoken about him on multiple podcasts at this point. Can't get enough Sam Hilliard. There's not Mark. There's not he was Mark also Green. on my list. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going through all the guys I had highlighted because I had about 10 or 15, so I'm not going to go through yeah. them all, but he was one of them. And I believe that if you compare him to Hampson, who's going around 160, um, I think the Hilliard's higher upside, man. I'll I'll make that one unanimous. I actually took um, Hilliard in the 19th in my last draft and then Dylan Carlson in the 20th because uh, it's kind of what I was saying about outfield earlier. You know, you can just sort of take enough sh- enough stabs late that some of them are going to work out. And Sam Hilliard, I, don't, I think people don't realize that he is – he's got legit power. Like, he's, yeah. he's a hoss. And um, so if and the speed, gets, too. And, and he's got legit speed. So, he's I mean, a beefcake, for when sure. I say, <laughs> tough, when I say legit speed, though, I mean, he, his, his sprint speed was top 50 in the league. So he's not, he's not just legit, legit. He's like Trevor Story, Mike Trout, speedster. I have, yeah. set, the, I have set the minimum pick for Hilliard. Um, I took him at 250 in one of the drafts. So I have, and that's I where he should fall. He probably will surpass that, assuming that, again, if this Aaron Otto trade goes down, I don't see how he's not like a top. 200 guy which is crazy to think he might jump 80 spots but you're looking at a guy who offers like a ceiling i'm not saying this is going to happen but he offers you a, like at least like a 38 he i think there's like a 30 30 ceiling in this guy realistically 20 to 25 with 15 ish or so stolen bases which is still fantastic and i, mean, I feel if, like that's if we're giving him if we're giving him like 450 at bats probably i think if we're giving him 600 plate appearances or something he could he could he, he would almost be a lock for 30 home runs i mean he's really got that kind of power and yeah, I, I think twenty, maybe twenty steals, maybe he takes a step back in the steals, but still we're looking yeah. at thirty twenty, which is fantastic. And look how late you're getting them. And I like, it, I don't think we're giving him six hundred play appearances. I, let me let me clarify yeah, that. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. I'm, we're we're talking ceiling, but we're talking about that. The fact that that's the potential, and we all kind of agree that that is an actual potential outcome, albeit not a very likely one. That is Steamer still six hundred gives him twenty three home runs and eighteen stolen bases. I think I wow. That. And then like, there. And I like to be over on home runs, but like that's that's Steamer's conservative. Now they've got him batting 248, which and that asked, might, that's the one flaw I'm concerned about. But he has cores. Cores usually fixes that. Even in cores, I I wouldn't be surprised if he was a net negative in batting average. But if you get a if you get a 2020 season or if, you know potentially a 3020 you know type pace from him, you just want him to get some full time at some point. So yeah, he's 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 definitely a good. Uh, good one to dream on, Mike. You and said that you said on our previous podcast you think Charlie Blackman's Blackman's going to get traded. You said, I you have said, this weird like I just think by midseason he's gone too. So I'm reading be, I'm reading in between <laughs> the tea leaves of what you just said, Mike. And let's see how well I know you. I'm I'm going to predict one of your other players is Brendan Rogers. <laughs> no, but he is a guy that. He's like I, I didn't make it that low on the ADP, but he is another for sure riser. Especially with the Arenado talks, you gotta like Brendan Rogers getting a chance finally. Isn't it crazy that we can like have two players traded off their team and we're still trying to find playing time for all these guys? <laughs> that is nuts. <laughs> well, you know, it's, you know, it's crazy. I'm just, I'm just, I just like, I did the, the, the hand on face emoji when I read the news that like just read the potential trade, uh, the Arenado trade and uh, what the Cardinals would send over to the Rockies. And one of the players was Matt Carpenter. And I'm like, no, please. No. If the Rockies trade for, for I mean like that, that is very Rockies, isn't it? Like some trade from Matt yeah. Carpenter. Like, I know it's so Rockies, but I'm like, please don't get Matt Carpenter. They'll, they'll trade him, and they said they'll say they're going to move him to second base. Is what they'll do. Now, he, all, if they trade for Matt, if, if I were the Rockies and I were to trade for Matt Carpenter, he could play on Daniel Murphy's lap. 
they can both play first base because I don't want both of them taking up a position. Oh, and, then, and then you, or if they get Tyler O'Neill, I'm not sure if I'd be upset or happy. Oh, I'd like that. I, I'd, I'd love that for O'Neill. Good yeah, old Canadian. That, that, good old Canadian boy's going to jack you, forty you, home you runs. You would love there. his. You would love his two hundred at bats that he's going to get somewhere. Well, yeah. not not that. Well, here's the thing. It would it would actually hurt Hilliard. So it's actually like this trade, yeah, albeit like I'm using this trade as a crutch for my argument. It could also crumble my argument in the same breath. They could bring in all this depth. Like They could bring in a Bader and other players to ruin playing time for these guys I really like. So I'm going to move on from this. We've been hard. We, I think we've discussed <laughs> it in good depth. This guy is a real – this guy could be a winner, a, a league winner to a, to a point or just be a wasted pick, and it's unfortunate because the damn Rockies are the damn Rockies. But next guy I really like is Adam Savalier, or Aaron Savalier. I keep calling him Adam. It's also Aaron on my list of highlighted players. And he's going at, over the last 30 days, he's at 284. Not sure how much he has room to move up because there's just that lack of track record as far as like the upside in K's and whatnot. But you're looking at a guy who I think I did, I, I talked to him on, on my podcast that actually just got released today. So by the time you hear this, a couple days ago. And uh, he's just an all around solid guy, man. He limits hard contact. I mean, he had three pitches in a small sample size, have like a barrel rate of 0%, which is absolutely absurd. And I think he has, and he has three of them with um, positive P valves, all of which, so he has at least three average pitches and he comes from the, if the Indians do anything right, they, they don't do a lot, right? They don't trade in when they're in their competitive, they don't trade for the appropriate pieces or sign the appropriate players when they're in the competitive window they don't make good trades at all, obviously, from the Kluber deal, but they do develop pitching very, very well. It's more of a ba- banking on the system type of thing. Look what they did with Bieber, who was, you know, a similar ground ball, pitch to contact type of guy. So Savali has the tools, has the, ar- you know, has the arsenal, the pitch mix as a whole, and he p- and a good team develop, a good development, a good uh, team to be on for developing pitchers. So I'm really big on Savali this year. He's interesting. Less than seven point two strikeouts per nine is That's a little the bit issue. not you know not, not what you want to see. He did Great. flash over nine per over nine uh, a K per a K per nine of over nine in Triple A. So it's there. The potential's there. And again, he has the pitch mix. It's a matter of maybe utilizing the pitch mix differently because he really harped on. Like, I think he used he had a heavy usage on like his uh, two seamer or sinker, whatever they you know whatever you want to call it, and. Uh, but he had like a really good. He had a curveball with a fourteen point something, like a, an above average swinging strike rate, which led to a like way above average K, uh, K percentage, but only so many thrown. So he has the curveball to fall back on. He has a decent a slider that's also average. So he has the pitches. Maybe he goes to more off speed, less of the two seamer. So I think there's a chance for K's to go up. I'm just betting on the development team there, along with like what we see as like a decently high floor for like a decent innings eater at the very least. So. How many innings do you think he can throw this year? He threw like 140 if you combine. He had three stops. He had double A, triple A, and major leagues last year. So he three stops, about 140 innings, I think it was. So easily 160, 170, which is solid. Like I want to make that. a comp. I want to make a comp to to Savali, and I, I like him too. I agree with you. Um, again, I want to reference Matt Modica. He he sent out a tweet yesterday. He said that uh, there was only within the last three years. Uh, from 2017 to, through 2019, only 16 pitchers have an ERA under 3.5 and have pitched 150 innings with um, with 150. Stri- I think um, I think 150 strikeouts. Oh, uh, I'm I'm butchering this, but I think it was 150 150 um, strikeouts and um, 150 strikeouts and an ERA of three and a half or under. That's what it was, and only 16 pitchers have done that. One of them was Marcus Stroman. 
And I sort of sat back and I wasn't dip. I wasn't, um, I wasn't knocking it for a DCs. I said, well, look at his canine. His canine not good. How many, I bet you he was the only pitcher that did, did it twice with a canine under nine. And I think that might be true. I think Granke did it twice with the canine under nine. And he's Granke was only one of three players that did it all three years other than the other two were Verlander and Scherzer. So long-winded, is there a cop between Savali and Stroman? Yeah, I do think it can be similar. I just – I'm okay with you people liking Stroman more. I just think Savali – this is me just, like I said, betting on the development team there. I, mean, I think that they could take him to another level. Now, Stroman showed a better second half last year, if I remember correctly. So there's still – I think Stroman even offers a little more upside than we like to admit. But Where's I Stroman think, going? I think Stroman. later. <laughs> Stroman's going 221. No, earlier. Okay, good. So at least it's earlier. 221. Honestly, I, 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 pre- I prefer Savali to so Stroman. Do I. I do. I have it ranked that way as well. So for those who I, like ranks. Look, just quickly, last year he, he made 10 starts at the major league level. Um, how many starts do you think he gave up more than two earned runs? You probably know this. No. He gave, he gave, up, he gave up more than, more than two earned runs in only one start. It was his very last start of the year against the White Sox in Chicago. Every okay. other start. His, his first nine starts, all – at least five innings pitched, all two in runs or, or less. Yeah, the strikeouts aren't there, but they could come. I, I'm just like I said, I'm betting on the develop. I'm in, betting in, on. Yeah, I'm betting on something. In, I'm betting on something that you can't quantify in the numbers necessarily, which is not something you typically do. And that's something kind of. It's more of like a gut thing. And and like you know, if you watch some tape on them, this is where the metrics don't tell the whole story. Like there are players like this, and there are there's just and there's a track record as far as like the development team goes, which is why I'm harping on it so much. It's just such a track record with look, looking how well they've done with pitchers over the years that again, it's not, it doesn't necessarily show in the numbers, but the pitch mix is there and the potentials there. I'm just picture, I'm taking it and essentially putting all that together into what, what, into my reasoning. So although I can't quite back it up as much as I would like to with the numbers, I'm, I think that what I think other stuff I'm saying kind of holds some weight to my argument. Okay, Mike, I'm going to make your head explode, but uh, Savale or Desclafani? Oh, I hate you. <laughs> I, love it. I love it. I hate you so much. You got to decide. I'm going to take Tony Disco. Nice. Okay. I, but they are, they are within, they're like within five picks of each other in my ranks as of right All now. All right. So where, so where would you take them? Um, what round are we talking? I got to go look at, I want to look at my early DC teams. I took, because I've gotten Tony Disco in every single draft. I mean, you can probably get him in the 18th or so right now. And I think that's about where I, I, again, I have to see where I take them. I'm okay taking, they're both for me. I take them both as SP4s, no problem. But I've been getting them as SP5 or SP6s, man. Like, I've been getting sure, them yeah. pretty, you know, a lot later. But I think they both offer SP4 upside or better. And to get SP4 upside from a guy you're getting as your SP6 or SP7. But these are things that like, I love these guys. I will get them. I, t- I purposely go into drafts targeting them as my fives and sixes or fours even sometimes. Like if I really wait on pitching for some reason. But I, I've made sure to get them because I think they're good. For, I think they're going to be good for at least 150, 160 innings. And I'm just, I'm just higher on them the most. But at the end it's of the day. It's good to have some of those guys after. I don't, I don't actually have a lot of pitchers after pick 250 or so. I think Caleb Smith is going strangely late. Um, and I'll take a shot on somebody like Arkady. Or Luke Weaver. If they're, if they're, oh, see, okay. You, named, range. you, you <laughs> named two other guys. I really, Weaver and Orkidi, I'm really all about as well. So, And I feel like, I don't know. Uh, it, it's hard for me to find pitchers there that I feel great about. So taking a shot on a um, Savale or Hauser in that range is, is fine, I think. I'm getting, a, I'm getting a lot of uh, upside pitchers in after round 20, though, as well. So, I, I you know, I kind of, uh, you know, I kind of play it a little bit 
safer. That, that's the thing. Uh, like, I'm also not one of those guys that's like, oh, I got to have my guys. Yes, I go into drafts wanting them. But if somebody's willing to go above what I'm about to – like where I'm about to reach for them, uh, you can have them. Like, I never let my bias – I'm actually, I've been really good about not letting my bias and my personal opinions on a player and how bad I want them affect me and my drafts. Like I will let somebody else take them if the value's not there. Cause I'm all, I'm, I'm so big, very, very big on value-based drafting. I will not go out of my way and take somebody to where now there's no real value. Granted my expectations of them suggest that where I'm, where somebody might reach to take them, there's still value. But at the same time, it's like, Maybe there just wasn't maybe because there's just so much the guys that you have to start taking them around. Oh wait, let's see, like some let's just throw a few names up there. A couple guys that you might have to take them ahead of. Um, actually, I was just gonna say that you know that goes back to our point about sort of knowing the whole player pool, you know. And if if Savale, even if you like him, uh, I'm not taking him over those guys that I mentioned. I'm not taking him over Caleb Smith if 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 he should rise there above that. So just I I have them in the same. I have them in a similar tier. Because yeah. I like Caleb Smith a lot. I really do. The first half was great. You could tell he probably fatigued going into the second half because there was a random pitch mix change. He had an injury, too, I believe. He was, he was, out. He was Yeah, he was playing through injury as well. So but he, started, he started throwing his fastball more, which was getting crushed, which led to a terrible second half. But I think there's a good, good year, a good chance for a bounce back. Uh, Marlins Park as a home park is always a good thing. That division got weaker, losing Rendon and Donaldson. I think there's a lot to like about Caleb Smith this year as a, as a bounce back. I think I just sold myself on him a little more because I have yet to draft him. <laughs> <laughs> well, so. the only reason I say that is because I have those guys that sort of I'm I'm targeting because I have a better idea of what they are, you know. And we had mm-hmm. such a small major league sample with Savale. No, but I understand. That's but not guys... to say that's not to say that Savale is not the best pick at some point. It's just, um, I, you know, it, it, it kind of goes back to knowing what I'm going to get from a guy. Well, and like you mentioned, Caleb Smith or Keedy, I just happened to find them. They are both going in the early 200s and the 220 range. So okay. Savali is actually going 60 picks later. So there so is a, a, you are a long consensus as far as people preferring those guys for sure. I like Arkady, I like Arkady, but he, there's a lot of players that are similar to him because there's, there's an unknown component to a lot of those pitchers that oh. are going a couple rounds later, like Canning and um, Savali, some of the other pitchers that I think they could have a – similar range of outcomes so I could I like although I like him I just never end up with him I think that's a good point we're we're talking about a a pretty big glob Glob. late 200s picks uh you know mid mid to late 200s uh and you know you're not you're obviously not paying too much there um maybe you know consider what hitters you're giving up because I'm also getting a lot of um like Willie Adamez and CJ Crone and Crone is so undervalued to get to get a key you're giving a you're giving up a hitter like uh um, I want to make sure I pronounce this correctly. Oh goodness, Avisail Garcia. Uh, <laughs> Garcia. Yeah. So, so obviously we can't take pitchers every. I mean, we can't take hitters every round, but those are definitely some rounds where I'm taking a lot of hitters. Just I see. I find myself. I think because remember how I mentioned I go like the two early pitchers. This is where my draft strategy comes into play because I might be getting. I might have gotten a relief pitcher or two by now as well. So I'm like now I'm stacked. I've already maybe I stacked hitters in that mid round. Now this is where I'm circling back to pitchers a lot. Yeah. So it's actually the opposite for me. I'm actually at this point, I think I'm circling back to uh, pitchers after kind of hitting the middle rounds with the hitters a lot. So, like, who's your? How many of you listed so far? Are you at your? Are you done? Are you a number not number four yet? I was about to join. I was going to look at one today. To be honest, see how that. See how full it is. See if it could tempt me. No, no, I meant on your <laughs> um on your ADP on your risers. Yeah. Oh, I'm um, yeah. I'm on my last one. It's simply, it's a guy that I have a long track record with. I have no shares of him yet in my early draft champions. 
But, Zach, you know this guy's been one of my guys in the past, and it's Gregory Polanco. I still think – I mean, I know he's come back from injury, and I know he's pretty much never lived up with expectations, but I still think there's a solid 2010 season in him with a decent 260-ish batting average, which none of that is to write – nothing's none of that is worth writing home about. But outside of pick 300 – outside of the top 300 in the last 30 days, he's going at, what, three – 311 is his ADP right now. And I feel like to get 10 stolen, potentially 10 stolen bases or better out of a guy going that late with, with a power, with a little bit of power and batting average, you don't get that everywhere. And honestly, I'm surprised I don't have any shares because he's a guy that in the past I couldn't quit. And I've stashed him for like throughout years of being injured. And it's like the one time I finally can get him at such a good price, I'm not in on him. So it's like maybe I need to re- reevaluate myself on that. I agree with you on Polanco. I agree with your assessment of him. But, and I'll say this a caveat, as I always say, the caveat is, what do I know, really? I don't know anything. But um, I think <laughs> no, uh, I, don't, I, don't see, I don't see much room for him to move up um, from an ADP's perspective because of the risk you're baking into him. So You don't think, okay. Um, I, I don't think fine. his ADP can move up much because, yeah, I mean, he Will, does. Will Myers, Will Myers is going to 274. I don't know why anybody would not make that flip. Like, Will Myers has far less of a uh, playing time. He's in way bigger of a playing time crunch. Way, way I, did, I just thought maybe I, maybe I just think Will Myers is just overdrafted. That's too. Um, but no, but that's just, a, that's just, a good that's a good point. That's a good Nick point. Nick Solak, you're gonna see him drop after all this going on over there in Texas. I don't um, know. Talk to um, uh, Drew. The, what do you think? I want to hear Drew's <laughs> thoughts on Solak. Well, because I love Solak, and I thought I think Ronald Guzman should be getting squeezed, not Solak, with the Fraser signing. But anyway, oh, well, dude, Ronald, Ronald Guzman. He's projected to be the starting first baseman with Fraser oh. for some reason. And I don't yeah, get I've, that. I've heard I've heard talk of uh, you know, and I'm not sure who 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 said they might move uh, Frazier to first, but who who knows? You know, I've and, said and so that. Like, <laughs> okay, well, I know, you know I have. Could, I'm saying I know I have. I can't speak for others. Well, I'm I'm sure a lot of people have said that, and yeah, I would love that because I think Solak is a lot of fun to watch. But I uh, mean, he could even move to the outfield. Who knows? Um, or or play DH. We just really it's a little early to tell about lineup. So. Uh, pretty much all of the, you know, from from all of these rounds where we're talking about hitters um, like Hilliard and Polanco and Will Myers, Dylan Carlson, Solak. Uh, I, I'd throw out like Jesse Winker, you know, if I could bounce back from him. There's 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 guys there that you know I feel better about, like Anthony Santander or even Corey Dickerson. I feel like I'm I'm a little more sure what I'm going to get, even if it's not doesn't have the upside of some of these guys we're talking about, but there's a lot of, of rounds in there where you can pretty much pick your guy and go for it. Um, exactly. I love the upside of Hilliard though. <laughs> yeah, we all do. Now I just, it's I just want to give, I just want to give three of mine. I'm going to skip to the really late ones. Like these are the late ones that I think that can rise a lot. I'm going to go through three of mine and I'm just going to go through them quickly because I know we're running, we're running long on time. And then I want to get after that, get um, Drew's um, a couple from Drew and he, I want to. I want to. I ask everyone, who are your guys this year? Now you can, you can, you can, you can pluck some of your guys from the late ADPs or earlier. Just like, I guess I'm going to combine the question: Who are your guys with who you think are going to rise? So I guess it's sort of the same question. But first, my my players are, and I alluded to this before on the Baltimore Orioles rotation. Alex Cobb is going at uh, 650, which is ridiculous. He's like probably maybe their opening day starter, and I think he's healthy just for the volume. I think that's gotta be value um another player is tyler stevenson catcher on the cincinnati reds not yet not up yet but he's done very well in the minor leagues i think uh, they didn't sign anyone so i think he could um he's going at 678 i have him on over half my teams um 
um, another um, another uh, drafter that's always the tie on him is Ray Butler, who we're having on. He loves him as well. He, I think he, he mentioned something about him recently. I see him going up. And the other player, and I think Drew's going to agree with me based on some of the teams that I've seen him draft, is Tony Watson on the Giants. Um, he's going at 581. I've seen him go as early as in the, in the 300s. Um, I've paired him with Sean Anderson, and I know Drew did that in another league, just sort of handcuffing the closer because we don't know who's going to be the closer. I don't think either of them are that good, but I think one of them could get 20 to 30 saves because I don't see them really going out and spending big money on a closer. So those are my three. Uh, Drew, you can comment on those three, and then if you don't, but you might, you don't have to, and then go into your, your guys. Uh, well, obviously, I like the Tony Watson pick, and you're right. I have been um, – you can get Sean Anderson, who uh, until recently was sort of penciled in as the closer on roster research, which I talked to Jason about this, and, and it makes sense that he was because he got like maybe two or three saves at the end of the year. Um, but Tony Watson is a guy that Jason pointed out has been with the team a lot longer, has been great in the bullpen, and they might trust him more. And so they might just turn it over to him for – for, you know, just fear of the unknown with Sean Anderson. So if you can get one of those guys in round 25 and the other in round 35, why not? Right. And uh, I'll even give you one more guy I'm taking in like round 45 or 50. And that's Tyler Rogers, Taylor Rogers, uh, brother, twin brother. He pitches, you know, Taylor's a lefty, uh, Tyler's a righty and he pitches uh, for San Francisco as well. So I'll take all three of those guys, you know? And the thing is, Tyler Rogers was amazing last year. Um, so even if he doesn't factor into the saves game, you might actually end up putting him in for ratios at some point. Um, but the thing is, you know, you're not giving up anything to draft all three of those guys. And probably, you know, there are definitely some other people who could end up with the saves in San Francisco. But without having to take more than, you know, a 25th round pick and possibly, if not probably, getting the closer for that team, uh, I think that's a pretty good trifecta. Uh, but as far as other players that I'm taking a lot of late, I like I actually like your shout out of just sort of boring pitchers like Alex Cobb. I mean, I, I totally agree with that. Um, I'm getting a lot of the Orioles guys in the middle rounds. So I'm taking everybody from Chase Anderson. I'm sorry, did I say Orioles? I'm, t I'm targeting the Orioles. <laughs> I'm taking a lot of the Blue Jays pitchers. So Chase Anderson, um, uh, Matt Shoemaker, even Trent Thornton. Um, because they get to pitch against the Orioles, you know, every, every so often. But, but even later than that, um, Mike Montgomery, Logan Allen, those guys every, you know, you know, every so often are going to get to pitch against the Tigers. Um, Zach Plesak? Even later than – yeah. Well, I, Plesak's going a little too early for me. I'm talking about around, around 40 or whatever. Uh, and even Tyler Anderson, who I think has a role as a starting pitcher for the Giants – which could be very interesting because Tyler Anderson was kind of like, okay, a couple of years ago as a Rocky. And so if he could sort of get back some of that mojo as a giant, he could be really good. Um, Cause obviously the ballpark change is, is going to be big there. And then, you know, hitters late. I'm taking a lot of outfielders. As I said, I think, you know, there's nothing wrong with drafting like 10 outfielders after round 20 and some of them are going to work out. So like in this last draft, I got Cole Calhoun in round 24 I got Jake Fraley in round 32, Cespedes in round 34, uh, Roman Quinn in 37, Derek Fisher in 38, 
And then the really late stabs with Austin Dean and Jake Cave in the you know, late 40s. So just, uh, you know, I'm finding a lot of like dart throws there. I mean, like Derek Fisher was a you know, very good hitter, like good average and everything in the minors. Now that's never translated yet, but he's still young. It could happen. Uh, Roman also, Quinn. A- Astros. Astros, there you go. To pick up their scraps, I'm telling you. But I mean, you know, like Cespedes, is he ever going to happen again? Who knows? Who cares? I drafted him in round 34, you know? Um, so just a lot of these uh, upside plays, uh, there seem to be a lot of them in the outfield. That's, yeah, there's always, a, there's a lot of upside plays late in outfield for sure. Um, Zach? Is I'm confused where we're at to be honest. Again, zoned out. <laughs> not just very, I'm very, just... very late upside stabs. And I'm not actually just to clarify. I'm not saying any of these guys are definitely risers. They're just the guys that I'm thinking. No, these are your guys. Yeah, like, that's guys what I was asking. Like, your guys. I think that's what people. I think what people want to know. What want to hear. And this well, is what yeah, I want because... to hear. For, if I wanted to listen to, if I was well, yeah, listening to this podcast. A... If you're doing a draft champions league for the first time, you don't know who to draft after round 35. <laughs> I didn't. You know, I mean, I know, I know my first one, my very first one, like I played a draft and hold, just a regular draft and hold, same idea, s- smaller stakes. And I had a hard time picking outside after around uh, 18, 19. Like I remember the first, I think it was 2017 round 20. I was like, um, I, I'll take Albert Pujols. Cause that's all I knew. Like that's literally the types <laughs> of picks I made. I'm like, I needed power. I needed first base. So I took Albert Pujols in round like 19 or 20. And this was in like 20s. It, was, it wasn't as bad as it was 20, what, 17, Zach, maybe when we did our first one. But still not um, – wouldn't recommend that ever. So that was just bad. But, yeah, so it just goes to show you that it's like not everybody getting into these things are – Albert Pujols had 101 RBIs that year. So I didn't do, so, so I didn't do bad. <laughs> so I didn't do bad at all. But I didn't – at the time, I'm sure that wasn't a good pick at the time, you know, considering he was definitely on a decline even then. But whatever. I'm not going to argue with results. He was. Did good. Mike's just bragging over here, actually. Yeah, bragging. I, 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 I was. I was totally trying to like dog myself. I'm like, oh well, that was a. Yeah, I, I, I'm putting air quotes. That was unintentional. But you took Mike Trout. Yeah, I took Mike. I remember that year. That that's fucked. His stat line is messed up. Because, it was like 20 home runs with 100 RBIs and like. Well, 20. Oh no, no, the home runs were 23. But I, I don't think I've ever, and I obviously haven't gone through all the all the players, but I've never seen such a discrepancy between runs and RBIs. 53 runs and 101 RBIs. Oh wow, wow, That's crazy. <laughs> Usually, if there's a, a discrepancy that big, it'll be the other way. Like Lorenzo Cain has 90 plus runs and 40 RBIs or whatever. Exactly. Yeah, because when you have a lot of RBIs, you're hitting home runs and you're scoring runs, so that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, I don't think I've ever, I haven't. I've just looked at that. I just never. I don't think I've seen anything that big. So he was okay. Either way, I guess my point. My point being is that I defaulted to a more well-known player, but not knowing nearly the amount that I thought I knew or had to know that yeah. year. So it's like these names that you're throwing out there are like the perfect type of targets to like. If you've never heard of them or looked into them, go do it, and maybe you'll like them too. It's just your recommendation, guys that you like late. So nothing wrong. Right on. So do you want to wrap it up here? Sure. We can do All that. right. All right. So I'm not good at this. I don't thank anyone. I don't, I don't plug, let them plug anything. So Mike, you're, you get you, you do a I podcast, right? Something like <laughs> <Yeah>. that. So, <laughs> okay. so as always, I, I do, I don't, I, I'm bad at this cause I didn't have his uh, stuff pulled up as I'm supposed to. And I'm supposed to be the guy that's good at closing the stuff out. All right, Drew, we do really appreciate your time. This ran close to two hours after I told Zach, we weren't going to do two hours today. So thank you so much for uh, joining us really, man. And for those who don't know or don't remember, you can follow Drew on Twitter at Common Sense 
FFB. That's common sense FFB, or you can just search common sense fantasy baseball and you, you have a podcast and I'm not sure what else it is that it's also called common sense fantasy baseball. Correct. That's right. Yeah. It's common sense FBB on Twitter. So probably should have just spelled it out, but, uh, but yeah, you can find me on there. And uh, that's the two places I am uh, Twitter and um, my podcast, which you can also find pretty much anywhere. Um, I use anchor, so they, they distribute it pretty well, but uh, yeah, Mike, you said it, you said F F F B. Oh, I said fantasy football. Jeez, look at me. So it's <laughs> common, common sense, FBB, C O M M O N S E N S E F B B on You're Twitter. You're making it hard on yourself Boom. now, Mike. <laughs> I'm okay, dude. It, it's, it is what it is, man. I apologize. I shouldn't have messed that up. I'm supposed somebody, to be good at this. <laughs> you, you, you can find – I, I found out on Twitter you just do a little search and you can find most people in the fantasy baseball community because we all, we all follow each other anyway. So. Pretty much. Pretty um, much. So Definitely. Thank you guys for having me on, and this was a lot of fun. Um, I'd be happy to come back on sometime. I, I really like what you're doing with the Draft Champions League. Yeah, this is really good. This is a great. This is a great podcast. It's it's a lot of fun. So um, I'm gonna get to I'm gonna get to editing and all that. So uh, appreciate your time, Drew. Zach, you can follow him on Roto, uh, on Roto. Look at me. I'm all over the place. You can follow him on Twitter at Zach Roto. I'm at Mike underscore Curland. And honestly, guys, we do appreciate you listening. We are now available on iTunes, working on other platforms. Please hit a five star rating review. We greatly appreciate it. But until then, until, um, until next time, guys, we just appreciate listening, and we'll talk to you soon.